Enter if you dare this ghastly conversation of teens fraught with despair and recent lacerations. Final girl, chase after her, don't let her get away. But first, the slumber podcast massacre. Welcome to Slumber Podcast Massacre with TNA. Let me just check my notes real quick. Oh, look at that. That's Tim. Check my notes real quick. Oh, that's Andy. Uh, And this is a podcast about horror. Every week, Tim and I get together. We talk about a different movie from the horror genre, from your well-known classic down to that rare gem that never went bowling with Goebbels, I suppose. (laughs) Nazi bastard. At the back of your video store shelf. This week, goddammit, it's Halloween. Of all the things you could have chosen. <laughs> I love that guy. Yeah. Um, it's Halloween, Woo! and we were like, hey, what's um, the greatest horror movie of all time that we've never covered? Uh, so here it is. Uh, we have no series. We're just floating in the wind and we we're like oh you know what would be fun the exorcist <laughs> from 1973 so tim let me ask you i mean this one is usually heralded as the scariest movie of all time is it to you or if not what is i don't know if we've ever really nailed that down okay well th- that's a great question and a great movie with which to ask it because do i think it's the scariest of all time you know what's what's funny to me about scary movies is usually not the it's to me it's not the image that's shown it's like how it's shown in this movie in particular there's a scene i feel like we can talk a little bit about the exorcist as we like yeah i mean it's so iconic we can actually talk about it in the uh the intro here but um there's he doesn't show up till the end so it's not like giving away the ending and it's not even like an actual title like it's just a priest like you don't get to be a priest and be like i'm only going to do exorcisms like that's all i want to do do. now well yeah exactly yeah yeah more popular (laughs) right but um it's it's the scene with her this is there's got to be a word for this it's not just the visual image it's it's a combination of visual image camera movement and then whatever other elements are happening but there's that scene where the camera is sort of weirdly tracking in on her like pretty not slowly like pretty aggressively and she's doing like the tongue wag Uh uh-huh and like we've seen her do a lot of weird stuff but there's something about that scene in particular it's like ah like that makes me like shiver like there's something there's something aggressive about it that is um, scarier than everything else that surrounds it. Mm-hmm. So <clears throat> along those same lines, I think that the scariest movie that I've ever seen is actually The Exorcist 3. I will say okay. that. That's why I'm saying that in conjunction with this. Because, and I know that, and I've, I've relayed this on the show, God, it was a million years ago, but I literally was exercising. I was on a treadmill. It was early in the morning, so there was no one else around. But I was on a treadmill and there was literally when you say exercising, you mean getting in shape? Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Now, I just yeah. want to make it clear. <laughs> well, it's funny that you mentioned that because I was thinking back to one of my boxing coaches and I think I've talked about him on the show before. But if only this could he, this could be used for the religious context because he was so smooth about how he would say stuff. I think I've talked about him before where he was the one that would say like, um, 
All right. <clears throat> Next up, bunny hops. <laughs> Hands on your hips. Exercise. <laughs> he would say it just like that. So it would be like, next up, Lord's Prayer. Grab crucifix. Exercise. <laughs> Which would be so wonderful to see. But um, I'm, I'm literally physically exercising on a treadmill. It's early in the morning. Nobody's there. And the TV is on. And the TV is literally telling a story about a, uh, a religious statue that had had the head removed, which is very much a thing in the exorcist three. I spend the entire next 45 minutes, literally looking over my shoulder <laughs> and an exclusive all like not only just like workout gym, but like private one where you have to have like a special card right. and only like members only. And that, you know, but, for all I knew, whoever cut the head off that statue could be in my gym. I wouldn't put it past someone who goes to a gym regularly to do that. <laughs> right. Yes. Yeah. Like there's got to be like, I'm so tired of cardio. There's got to be another way for me to get my blood pressure up. Um, but yeah, like, so, yeah, I guess sawing a head off of a statue would do it. Not an easy task. No, no. Um, but yeah, so that, that, me reacting to a scene from a movie in an environment that is so far removed from it, but still being affected by it is just goes to show how deep that scare was for me. Yeah. Because we all know that that and, and along with that, The Exorcist 3 has the reportedly biggest jump scare of all time. Yeah. Um. So uh, now do I tie a lot of that to myself personally as far as like growing up in uh, a religious family at the time? Yeah, I mean, I, I'm sure that those things didn't affect you nearly as much as they did me. No. But you might have seen a uh, a movie about people that were not allowed to play video games freely. <laughs> Some kid is sneaking in a video game. Yeah, and then, well, you know. let's listen, my childhood was not the free... Uh, uh, it's a word I'm looking for. I don't know. I, I had to sneak a lot of video games. Right, so... But I know what you're saying. But yeah, saying. so when it when it when it ties into something that you've done, and look, you don't even have to be Kid religious. Is not allowed to eat a whole tombstone pizza. Yeah, right. <laughs> exactly. Um, whereas my parents would have just been like, "Oh, you're, you'll you'll eat this? Like you'll eat something <laughs> other than a jelly sandwich?" Um, which I don't I don't I haven't eaten a jelly sandwich in forever. Literally subsisted on them for three years. Wow. Yeah, just any kind of jelly. Did you ever have a jelly omelet? No. My grandma used to make jelly omelets. I loved them. That's but crazy. As an adult, I'm like, can't be as good as I'm remembering. That sounds disgusting. I'm not the smartest person in the world, but I, I know I some I play up like being sort of dim and egotistical for laughs, but I'm pretty sure I can figure out what a jelly omelet is uh-huh. without knowing. Uh-huh. Is that all it is? Uh-huh. Is there cheese in it? No. That's weird. That's very weird. That's like ran out of things to make an omelet well, with, but know, dying to have an omelet. Mill workers lived through the depression. Well, yeah, you know. my, your mom's parents. Yeah. Okay. Um, I, you know, I don't know. I guess I like eggs. I like jelly. <laughs> but I'm not. I'm not going to eat one of those all the time. But right. Yeah, the thought of it now is like, oh, oh. Jomlet. And I'm sure the <laughs> ingredients I've got now way better than what my grandma had in 1982. Right. Of all the things you could put, like you could take any savory item, like if let's say you plan to make pizzas like the next night. So you got some of those like mini pepperoni things in a bag. Throw yeah. those in there. Yeah, that makes sense. Ooh. 
I do have some of those. Yeah, That's make a, good a idea. pizza omelet. Ooh. Yeah, fuck yeah. Hell yeah. Um, so lots on the top of that. Yeah, have oh. some fun with it. All right. Um, <laughs> so anyway, jelly sandwiches. Yeah. So no, but that I, was a tangent, right? Exactly. So no, but I I think that that's a really fun question because. Okay, so if it, I guess I don't know how to deep to go with this. I guess it's fun to live in a world where your worst fear could have been summed up by a movie scene. Mm -hmm. It's probably a blessing in the grand scheme of things. You said something. This was a like if there was one called like arachnophobia. Right. Exactly. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. But But I loved that movie. So it doesn't even work. (laughs) I guess what I'm saying is, is that there was something that you had said. I think this was actually off air, but you were talking about like the, um, just the eighties and just how, how just fun loving and, and fun, like everything in the eighties. And it's not to say that certain people weren't, weren't going through some hardships, but largely as a country, like there was new, there were wacky wall walkers and there was, and there was break dancing and there was, um, you know, Chuck E. Cheese and there was video games. And like, it's like everywhere you turned, it was just like, like Vietnam is no longer happening. Like here's this other thing other than (laughs) Vietnam, which is much more fun. And, uh, so like, it was such a pleasure to enjoy that. And it's such a pleasure and a privilege to say the scariest thing that ever happened in my life was a movie. (laughs) (laughs) Right. So that's that's when, you know, you're living pretty good. Yeah. Right. But it it doesn't take away from the fact that those things are terrifying. And I'll tell you what, sometimes before I go to sleep at night, like it's it's I don't know if I'd call this like an intrusive thought thing because that was far too difficult of a discussion (laughs) as it was. (laughs) But I think it's one of those things where like I'm I'm sitting there and I'm like, man. Just don't, for whatever reason, tap into that subconscious, uh, like mental catalog of things that are going to freak you out in the like ten minutes before we just go to sleep oh, yeah. and we're fine. But if that thing does, then it's like fuck, and then I'm I'm terrified. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know why it usually centers around old women, <laughs> but that's usually the thing. I don't, that that's such a weird. Like I like old ladies, you know, in the daytime <laughs> when other people are around. <laughs> You know, and there are smaller people that I can pull in front of me, you know, to yeah. like, you know, send off as uh, as smaller, chum. older yeah. ladies. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I don't know. I Is there is there a scene that ever or a scene or a movie that pops out to you as being especially even if it's not now, but ever? Yeah, I mean, probably if if I was to gauge it on how old I was to how scared I was, I mean, Zelda in. Pet Cemetery is probably, I mean, that's one where I was in high school and I walked into someone's house and I'm like, I'm not looking at their TV because I'm not going to be able to sleep tonight if I, if I see Zelda. That one is really, really fucking terrifying. And she's still like, I think I'm over it now. Mm -hmm. I don't know what, what allows us to get past those checkpoints in life. Yeah. Because I hung on to her and my fear of her up until probably like six, seven years ago. (laughs) Yeah. Um, and just the thought of her like eating that soup, like being fed and being like, oh, it's, it's so just spine tingling and her movements and yeah. everything. I and even her like, cause we have covered that movie and I'm sure I'd mentioned this then, but even like 
when she when uh the wife comes home at the end and like kind of envisions her in the room as she like walks up to her that's not even as scary as the real story about when she's like bedridden and just like writhing in bed yeah. oh, so the mouth it's the mouth it is the mouth it it, it oh. is yeah it's the mouth it's the skin color it's the 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 thinness of the hair like, like the mouth how about some fucking conditioner of uh, the like the monkey girl in uh, Arthur, <laughs> if that makes sense. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> it's no, like right. I can't. So then, as my kid was growing up watching Arthur, I would just sit there and be like, Ugh. "Yeah, gross." But you know what's funny about that is that it's all a collective, uh, subconscious learned behavior. Like if you had a baby. That was like you're holding it on your lap and then Zelda is in the corner of the room and like turns around and comes like shuffling up the way that she does. That baby would just be doing that like nonstop, like, you know, what do they call that? Parkinson's? Uh, <laughs> like, you know what babies do? They're just always kind of jostling a little bit, yeah. you know, and they wouldn't give a fuck about her running up on them like that. They'd no. just be like, hmm, that's whatever. That's not food, <laughs> right. um, you know, <laughs> so. I'll just look at it with a vacant stare. Yeah, um, this is not loud. Like, right. I'm fine with you. Yeah. So so where all that comes from is uh that's fascinating. That we should that would be really interesting if we had somebody that was like an actual professional on phobias and fears to tell us like why are we all afraid of the same thing? Yeah. That'd be fascinating. I I kind of um fucked up recently. Ooh. Our grandson was uh here. For a visit, and he likes to shut doors, right? It used to be a thing, like, eight months ago. That's all he did when he came here was open and shut our doors. (laughs) So he really did not do it. But we've got, like, two kind of glass, like, a double door going into our, our, uh, like, where our fireplace is. And he wanted to shut them. But there's, like, a table in front of them now. Like, we just keep them open. And I was like, ah, we're not going to shut them, buddy. And so I kind of, like, pushed it like back so it was open all the way and i could see through the glass there was a spider on the wall and i was like all right here's my opportunity to be brave about spiders be brave in front of my grandson about it and i was like i'm like you're not afraid of spiders are you look up there there's a spider right there and he's like uh I, i don't like spiders and my daughter's like he's never said that before and i was like fuck did i just by asking are you afraid of spiders instill a fear of spiders in him and then he talked about it like for two days i fucked that up sins of the father oh my god (laughs) passed on to the grandson um no that is kind of awesome i mean it's not awesome I, i don't wish on your grandson what you've had to like experience but I love the magic of it. I, <laughs> I love that. Like, like I'm going, if I pass it on to you, I can take it out of me. <laughs> That's wonderful. Oh, um, it's going to break the cycle. Yeah. Well, my daughter's afraid of spiders too. Maybe to like where she won't walk barefoot in a lawn. Maybe his fear will become a fascination. It'll become like a spider doctor, that whatever they're called. Even worse. Yeah. What do they call those people? Entomologists? Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, something bug doctor. Yeah, yeah, but they're not. Are they? Look, when it comes to being a doctor, if you're a doctor of a beetle and a spider, you should just consider that the same practice. I'm not going to consider it different. The bug they're bugs. Bird is called an entomologist. Entomologist. Yeah. yeah I don't, okay. I don't know if spiders are. I would assume they are. When you grew up, were you? Uh, a spider expert. 
speaking of um, Enta, were you uh, like when it came to like coffee cake? Were you guys like an Entman's family? Um, you know Entman's. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, we got that was more a special occasion. Okay, but yeah, okay. Like Christmas, we'd get an Entman's yeah, coffee cake. Yeah, like fucking coffee cake. Yeah, so good. Um, <laughs> so we just should eat before every show. <laughs> oh, by the way, or during every show, dude. By the way, apparently there's like several raw meat ways. There's uh, uh, ceviche. Okay, ceviche. Ceviche. Yeah, the, that's more fish. That's like a fish. There's um one that starts with the C, and it's like da 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 da. It's Italian. Yeah, uh, but you're on the right track. Yeah. I'm sorry. Should I say (laughs) cacciatore? Yeah, that's it. Yeah. (laughs) It's not that it's like, uh, but it's not cappuccino either. (laughs) But if you mix those two, yeah, it's there's another one. Um, That's there's one because I guess there's like degrees of raw, which you wouldn't think there are. Yeah. But it's like. Okay, so what I mean by degrees of raw is what we were talking about that made our stuff so tasty was that there were these other things added to it. Yeah. There's stuff with like going harder in the paint. And that they were that it was very cold and fresh. Cause I had another because Nancy was like, get me one. And then she had some. She of really it. likes them. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And us, yeah. Oh yeah, we get it every time. Um if it's on the menu, we're like, tartar, please. Um but then, like, the next day, she's like, I still have some if you want it. And so I was like, hell yeah. And I took one bite, and I was like, nope. <laughs> Spit it out. And I was like, I can already tell. Nope. Not doing it. Got to be fresh, then. Got to be fresh. Okay. Well, that's, I mean, look, it, it, there's, in the grand scheme of things, there's probably less criteria for raw meat than there is, like, cooked, and then you're going to judge it by a whole shit ton of criteria. Right. It's, all it has to be is cold and fresh. And yeah. then I'll eat it. Yeah. Um, it's not about like, well, it was cooked a little too long or I don't really care for this spice or whatever. That's what you're going to judge cooked food on. Yeah. Raw. It's like, it's not going to make me like, like throw up and shit at the same time. Okay. It's great. Um, so no, I, I think that was, and you know, what's funny. I was listening to that episode and I'm like, I wanted more. I wanted, I, uh, it's not the first time I've said this. I wanted more mouth sounds. Um, and like, I like, if we're going to eat, like I want to hear us eating, it happens eventually. But, um, I don't know, dude, I would just go and eat that bread. Uh, yeah, the bread's very good. Oh, that Christini. I went back to listen to hear how gross the eating is. And I was like, man, I did not wait. I was like, all right, here's your thing. Okay, I'm already into it. (laughs) I can't mind fucking done before you were asking questions about it. But uh, well, but it wasn't scary, which is good, right? Um, you know the. I guess what here's a real fun question. Now think about this for a second. It's one thing to be scared by a movie, but isn't it safe to say that as a kid, that you don't even? I'm not even going to make you scared by having you think about these things. But as an adult, we don't have as many scary moments like live in person anymore. When you're a kid, like, sometimes there's moments that you're, like, scared about shit. Yeah. Like your grandson was in that moment. And I'm not picking on that. I'm just saying, like, there's things that happen. But I guess that probably has to do with control of a situation. Uh Uh-huh. So the less control that you have because you're a child, the, the more afraid that you would be. And the thing is, you know what, God, the thing that used to break my heart, it's what I thought you were going to say about your grandson. Um. (laughs) 
my daughter Rowan, especially, uh, which, by the way, uh, proud of this, was listed on one of the most beautiful name lists recently, oh. Rowan. Um, she was a big one with the, like, the lip, the protruding lip with, like, about to cry. Yeah. Like, and she wasn't a crybaby by any means. Like, she was pretty tough. It was so cute to, like, take her to a playland, and she would just, like, walk up to the big kids and just, like, look up at them and, like, smile and just, like, try and, like, figure out whatever they were playing. Like, she was just yeah. fucking brave and, and wonderful. And, um, but if, but the thing was, sometimes I didn't know what would elicit the lip. Like, if we were at the fair and I'm like, she's about to take a bite of something hot, and I'm like, oh, honey, don't do that. Like, but I was just a little too forceful. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, like, I think everything's fine. And then just like, beat, beat, beat. There comes the lip out. <laughs> like, oh, no. Like, I yeah. just don't Why want you to burn you yourself. <laughs> right. You know what's funny about that? They told me. Now, this is something I've never had anybody tell me my whole life. Um, they said that I had like a little bit of like, uh, I don't know if it's like a, they said like a resting bitch face, but like uh -huh. kind of looking mean. And I'm like, I've never had anybody tell me that my whole life, but they're like, but the, anybody in the room was like, yeah, like you kind of look like, like you're like mad or pissed off. And I'm like, when did that happen? Yeah. I when are you not talking? Like, when does your face rest? I, <laughs> <laughs> not during this show. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> right i don't know yeah where do i where do i take a breath long enough to be pissed about anything but um but yeah so that's that's something i didn't realize but um i've never noticed it. well thank you and i um yeah i don't know i guess that but you know here's the thing though is that is it that fear that makes you feel alive? Because otherwise it has to be, there has to be some positive element. Otherwise there wouldn't be roller coasters. Yeah. There wouldn't be haunted houses. There wouldn't be like every fucking house in our neighborhoods now decorated with blood and creatures on their lawn. Um, you know, I think people like that because it's like a little, just a, it's a zap to let you know that you're still out here. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So yeah. And at any second. By ghost or goblin or demon possession. Ghoul, yes. Or demon possession. You want to talk about those you know things? what I'm talking about? <laughs> real stuff? You want real Devil talk? possession? <laughs> yes. Some, is it, a de it's the, it says the devil, but it's well, not the devil. Right? Well, it's like Marin says it. There's only one. It's always only one. They'll call themselves different names, but it's always one. Oh. What, devil or mm -hmm. demon? Okay. Devil, yeah. So Pazuzu is not, although never mentioned in this movie, right? They the, never say Pazuzu. The name, you know, funny that you asked that, and the answer is no. Yeah, I don't think so. I was waiting for it. Yeah. Okay. You, also, the subtitles of what I watched were absolute garbage. They were just like, they were just, the, the they were the like summary of like what they're saying is one of those things and see that happens every once in a while the first set that when i uh, so just um a disclaimer here i have recently watched the theatrical version and then just last night watched the extended director's cut so if i say something and you're listening to the show and you're like that didn't fucking happen yeah it did or if i say that didn't fucking happen <laughs> right exactly <laughs> but in the first theatrical version that i saw I even got full Greek uh, subtitles Oh, for all the Greek stuff. Wow. So that was nice. Yeah. It just said speaking in Greek. Exactly. Right. Yeah. And you're like, well, okay, then. Oh. Yeah. 
I'll just like politely like step back. <laughs> just allow this to happen. Let them, let them Greek it out. <laughs> yes. All right. Yeah, let's get into this. Yeah. It's Halloween. Boom. Yeah. Uh, crazily enough, we've never done this movie. All right. So it's The Exorcist from 1973. It was written by William Peter Blatty, uh, directed by William Friedkin, who doesn't give a flying fuck through a rolling donut <laughs> what Al Pacino thinks. It was stars uh, Ellen Burstyn, Jason Miller, and Linda Blair. It had a budget of $12 million, a box office of, let me put my glasses on here, $441 million. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Uh, Enough complaining from you horror heads out there. I mean, pretty good that there have only been like four sequels in 50 years on a $400 million budget <laughs> yeah. uh, profit movie. Restraint. Um. Yeah, yeah, real restraint. <laughs> a little more next time. <laughs> okay, let's do Nan some, and then we'll get into some spoilers. Chris McNeil is an actress filming a new movie in Georgetown where she is renting a townhouse for herself and her 12-year-old daughter, Reagan. She takes a passing notice of a particular priest and learns from another priest at Reagan's birthday party that she's hosting that his name is Father Karras, and he's a psychiatrist that counsels other priests. Karis is a former boxer and is taking care of his six month, sick mother and is in the middle of a crisis of faith. Now, during that same party, Reagan appears and seeming unwell urinates on the carpet in front of the other guests. And as the days continue, Reagan becomes violent and mean, as well as her bed is shaking and rising off of the floor. Unable to find any medical explanation for her behavior and her worsening appearance, Chris turns to Father Karis, who comes to visit Reagan. During his conversation with her, it is revealed that Reagan is possessed by the devil and that it will not release her until she is dead. Karis concludes that an exorcism is required to save Reagan, and they request the help of Father Lancaster Marin, who has performed an exorcism in the past. Marin arrives to the house with Father Karis as the two attempt to exorcise the demon from the child. <laughs> will Reagan succumb to the demon inside her, or will she be brought to salvation from... The Exorcist. I love, like, the deteriorating appearance. Like, your 12-year-old looks like shit. Right. <laughs> like, who's going to say that to somebody? Um, but, yeah, she does look like shit. Uh, eventually. I am Legion. Is that you or the sore talking? <laughs> right. Yes. Oh, that Linda Blair. Uh, and, oh, this movie. Um, man, oh, man. So the, the hardest part about... Starting this, we, we've already talked about how the, not only is there our buildup, but there's 50 years of buildup <laughs> um, that we're having to to sort out. And you know what? It, it, there's no way that we can cut through all of it. Um, all we can do is really hit on the things that I think stood out to us most and speak to just what a phenomenon it was. The one thing that gets me about this show is that we keep like moving those chains back where it's like, you know, Halloween 78, starting it all. Well, no. Right. Chainsaw in 74. Well, no. Exorcist in 73. Well, well yeah, Rosemary's what, Baby. Well, yes. well Psycho. And, and, well. <laughs> right. And wasn't Last House like 72? Uh Yes, it was 74. Oh, maybe. But yeah, yeah, it was it was back. It was there. early 70s. Yeah. But what's funny about 1973 is a fucking shit ton of horror. They didn't all make 400 million dollars. <laughs> no. But titles like 
I think there was even another exorcism movie. I was actually saying the title of a movie oh. there. <laughs> About snakes? Yeah. Okay. And have you ever heard seen that title before? No. It's literally like eight S's. That's it's awesome. the title of the movie. And so you had that. You had the craziest. Well, how did that not make $400 million? I have no idea. Like, people just thought, like, somebody was having, like, a like a neurological breakdown where they're trying to buy a movie ticket. And um, <laughs> <laughs> so um, so there's that. There's the crazies. There was also a lot of black exploitation. You had coffee coming out at that same year. Like, 73 was going hard in wow. the paint. Um and and the fervor around this movie was insane. Like everybody thought it was going to get an X rating, but somehow got an R. And then you had DC cops um, saying, like, we will arrest anyone that sells a ticket to a minor. Um, and it was like it was insane. And I've heard Rob Zombie talk about this before. Uh, he hasn't attempted a remake yet, but um. <laughs> I've heard him talk about the fact that like people were legitimately going to therapy after seeing this movie, like all the stuff that everybody latched onto afterward, like fainting in the aisles and throwing up and all that sort of thing was actually happening here. Yeah. And, um, and it had to be kind of a, a cultural phenomenon. The best part about that is, is that it had to fucking live up to it because if it's 1973 and you're seeing that, young girl jab a crucifix into her vagina, you're like, I'm not ready for this, <laughs> nor is anyone. And it is so fucking hardcore. And I guess that that's just, it just makes me so excited about the bravery of horror um, because I'm even watching that now. And it's not only what happens, it's like they pull all of the soundtrack out in that moment mm-hmm. while she's doing it. Like, it's like, if there's such a thing as like extra silent <laughs> and it's just her saying that and doing it and you're like, well, yeah, well, yeah, because it's like, you're that, like, give me a little background music. Give that me some voice is ADR'd anyway. Right. So it's kind of not there. You know, the sound effect of the stabbing is added and there's no ambient background. So it no. is just this, uh, alien audio. Yeah. That's added afterwards. That's not natural. It's not naturally part of the scene. Yes. You know? And it's and it's creepy as hell. And can can you only imagine it being nineteen seventy-three? I mean, my God, you're just like it would be the difference between us and the early two thousands to this and like Bing Crosby's Christmas album coming out. Right. Like no one was ready for that jump yet. Um so yeah, directed by uh or written by um by uh, uh, William Peter Blatty, um, which if you were his parent and he was having a fit somewhere, you could be like, looks like I've got a sensitive Blatty. But um, <laughs> so anyhow, um, that dude is interesting. Well, follow me. I on can't this. wait to use that three times during this episode. <laughs> yes. On someone's sensitive Blatty. <laughs> <laughs> and that was that was just that was just off the cuff. Like I just that was one of the last ones I thought of. Um, so he did go to Georgetown, and um, he did go in. He said, I love this. He served in the Air Force in psychological warfare, oh, where they like go to hand him a gun, and he's like, no, 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 no. I'll <laughs> I'll take that corner office, please. Um, so then he um, he went to a Jesuit school. On did a you do any uh, like? Uh- Geography um, back uh, lookups on what Georgetown is. Do you know what Georgetown? Is? I I struggle with Georgetown. I do. I think it's in Maryland, 
I think. It's in D.C. It's Fuck. like a neighborhood. Fuck. I know. Well, that just further complicates. They're, now they're just fucking with me. Yeah, we've actually off mic. We've been talking a lot about Washington D.C. even before we really did <laughs> That's this. That's true. So George, and both on our own, kind of came upon weird facts about D.C. and then we're like, oh shit, you know about D.C. <laughs> it's the best kept secret in this country. <laughs> is our is it our wait? Oh my god, is it Tim. Our, yes, it it's is. Our okay, capital. all right, it's our capital. <laughs> Fix and post. Uh, District of Columbia. So is our capital, but there is a place called Georgetown, which is what, like a neighborhood? It's a neighborhood in Washington, D.C. It looks kind of nice. It's very nice. Is it? Okay. Yes. And um, and in that neighborhood- It uh, is where the rich people live in D.C. That at, aren't politicians. Well, Blatty was, was actually dirt poor. He might have lived in Georgetown. He might have gone to school at Georgetown, but he lived in 28 different houses throughout his, his youth. Okay. And still managed to be valedictorian so what's your fucking excuse <laughs> um anyhow but he got a he was valedictorian and he went to uh, to georgetown and then um from there you know went into the air force and um now <clears throat> before i continue any further let me make a disclaimer that i have not ingested any illegal drugs that aren't prescribed to me um he wrote a book called which way to mecca jack <laughs> Um, and then he masqueraded around Los Angeles as an Arabian prince and eventually got onto a game show with Groucho Marx, where he won $10,000, quit his job, and started writing seriously. Wow. <laughs> All of that is true. To tell the truth, is that the show he was on? It Do was, you know? uh, no, it or... was You Bet Your Life. Oh, You Bet Your Life. Yeah. So a real That's interesting right. life, this one. Um, really interesting character and, um, you know, so he was just kind of like finding his way through life. And um, so he, he wrote a few things and um, and it was at Georgetown that he there was, I, I think, just a snippet about a, a particular case that was in like the whatever Catholic Gazette or whatever it was that um, a Catholic examiner, I think it was that he saw this bit about a an exorcism. Now, um this was the exorcism of, again, I, I haven't taken any drugs. Roland Doe, as told by Professor Nipple. I promise, I swear these motherfuckers are doing me no favors. Uh, but literally, Roland Doe, wow. um, who actually, his real name is Ronald uh, Hunkler, was a Lutheran kid in, um, in, some, in D.C., and uh, he was having uh, showing signs of possession. So you've got like the blank. A lot of this is used in the movie, by the way. So blankets being like stripped off of him without any, you know, him pulling them down. The bed shaking like crazy. Um, uh, you know, him speaking in Latin uh, and eventually scratches on his stomach that said, go to St. Louis. <laughs> I know, I know. It sounds crazy. So the Lutheran pastor that was attending to him at that Kudos point, whoever scratched that, or making it a semi-complete sense, <laughs> right? Instead of just an ambiguous St. Louis, like what does that mean? Or just like the pastor is like, those scratches are from the outside. Like, sorry, I'm not impressed. <laughs> um, but literally, this kid had, however it was, scratches on his stomach that said, "Go to St. Louis." So the family, being Lutheran, went to St. Louis, and in St. Louis is Concordia College, which is our Concordia Seminary, which is the penultimate 
Lutheran seminary, especially for the Missouri Synod, which I won't get into that. But it, it's it's a it's a, a school where you're you're taught language, you're taught history, you're taught ancient history, you're taught ancient forms of languages, you're taught music. Um, it's not just a there are some seminaries that are kind of like, hey, let's all love Jesus and tell other people how to love Jesus. There are also like very, very serious theologian academic seminaries where you're learning you're getting doctorates of history and language and, and ancient language and that yeah. sort of thing. And that was uh, Concordia Seminary. So they go there and they they speak to Lewis Seek, who was the president of the uh, the university or, or seminary. And he was assisted by Alfred uh, Deffler and they tried an exorcism on him. Now, let, let, let me just stop right there for a second. So we're talking about doctors. We're talking about learned men. Yeah. We're talking about people that even if you don't agree with what they teach, like they have the, they are the presidents of a university. Like these are not wackadoodle people. These are, these are people that have to be hired for very esteemed positions, very learned, extremely educated smarter than anybody I probably know. Yeah. Um, And they saw this kid come in from the East coast with a desperate parent that says, I don't know what to do anymore. You have to, you have to help my kid. And they, as these learned men said, I think we have to do an exorcism. Like, I think we have to, we have to do this. And Lutherans are not by trade, like a lot of like showy, fancy uh-huh. you know there, there's not a lot of like glamour to lutheranism <laughs> um but they decided that they had to do it it was unsuccessful and um oh, no. so they so they the demon persisted oh. yeah yeah uh, and yet got, uh, got a job or what did the demon do after and, it didn't work yeah and let and yet he persisted um <laughs> and he <laughs> Um, there, there was finally. It was a Jesuit. It was a, it was a Jesuit uh, priest by the name of William uh, uh, Bodron that uh, completed a successful exorcism along with other Jesuits at the time were kind of like like uh, like ninja Catholics. Like yeah. they were like the the real down and dirty ones. So wait, uh, that mean, one was successful? Yes. Which one was that? The Jesuits. Okay. How they, did they know it was successful? Well, because he, um, they actually, what they did was, if you want the play-by-play, they kind of summoned the uh, the angel uh, Michael, and wow, they- John Travolta? Yeah. <laughs> and um, he, at, when they did that, the, the boy, when he came out of it and was no longer possessed, and this is- in, within the story yeah. and narrative um, that, that the boy envisioned Michael um, fighting off the demon and freeing him. And then he woke up and he was fine. Wow. That kid, that Roland kid went on to the Ronald. I'm, is this a real name? Actually went on to be uh work at NASA uh-huh. and lived a successful life. Although pretty kind of, I don't want to say tragic, but like he would always leave his house on Halloween for fear that like somebody was going to find out who he was, yeah. lived his whole life in fear of, of somebody finding out who he was. Yeah. And, um, but, uh, 
Now, somebody might say, like, hmm, he worked for NASA. Like, maybe he was just autistic. And uh, I'm mean, not that anybody that works at NASA is autistic, but they probably have a couple of them. Um, but I mean, maybe he was just a super smart kid that was, you know, dealing with uh, mental issues. Yeah. I'm not neurodivergent. I'm not, I'm not <laughs> exactly. Yes. <laughs> the very specific diagnosis of neurodivergent. Um, I'm not, I'm not here to say yeah. of what, whether he, anything was happening, but this is the thing like, and, and what I, just to bring this is a this little, the one, the one time where we find out the parents didn't tell the kid to say uh, something. Uh, right. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Well, the thing is, I guess what, what fascinates me about this is just to bring it, bring it home. Literally the, the story as we know it was recounted because of a student, uh, P- Professor Nipple, um, a student at uh, the, uh, which imagine having to call that dude Father Nipple. Like, just imagine being in that congregation. Anyhow, remember, not, remember that commercial where the guy's like, Mr. Asswipe, I want to work here so bad. He like calls him Asswipe so many times. He's like, it's called, it's pronounced as we pay. <laughs> Yeah, this is just nipple with a K, but it's still it's a silent K. You can't say knipple because oh, that's K-L. even it okay. is, All but right. it's, it is legitimately nipple. Right. Yeah, then it is nipple. <laughs> You're right. Oh, man. So the, uh, no, no, the K's not silent. No, yeah, one time. Yeah, knipple, which is better. Um, so question mark. So um, so this dude that was that was relaying this story. Um, was being driven home from a funeral of a man by the name of Paul Kretzman, whose son was O.P. Kretzman, Otto Paul Kretzman, who at our local university basically started it, like basically like grew it into its largest form. And that we have buildings called Kretzman. Yeah. Um, So there's actually a Lutheran legit slumber podcast massacre hometown tie-in to this 1949 case yeah, so excited it's pretty pretty cool yeah. yeah so we've been yeah kind of like um destined prophesied uh, to <laughs> to cover this movie um so so there's the story and and it was it was that story now here's the funny thing this is what always fascinates me about movies it's like did nobody know about exorcisms before this movie? Like in the general public, you would have to. Yeah, cut. that's the thing. They were not. They even say in the movie, they're like, eh, not really a thing. Yeah. Let me get a time machine. Yeah. And then yeah. All, all of a sudden possessions exploded over the last 50 years. Right. Yes. Some form of coincidence. I don't know what maybe spurned it on. <laughs> right. And I guess four hundred million dollars. <laughs> that's a good point. Well, no, but I'm going to say this, though. If you're the like, okay, you can and I'm not going to ask you to believe in anything, but I'm going to say this. Any like business, I'll even go so far as to call it business, any institution that has within it. A sector of its handbook about demonic possession is kind of cool, like. It's it's a little like that's extra. Like I don't even think people say extra anymore. But uh, we need a time machine for that and and the exorcisms. Um, so that in itself, it's it'd be like that's so extra for like a. We're talking about Catholics. We're talking about the most buttoned down. Like it's the it's the it's the um, punchline of jokes of like people that are conservative. And they have a portion of their business that deals with ridding people of demonic possession. It's crazy. It'd be like if you're like um like local breakfast restaurant featured that like the meat that they that Korean meat that they bury 
uh, like <laughs> for like you ever heard about that before? No. Okay, so there's like a Korean meat that they bury for like three months. Okay. It'd be like your just casual restaurant being like, yeah, we're into that now. <laughs> like, like, yes, we're we are fermenting meat in the ground for three months and not just because somebody accidentally killed someone, um, but <laughs> it's just on the menu, like legit, like it's that hardcore, almost so much that you're wondering, like, why doesn't any other like business corporation get in on this exorcism action? Like, why should religion have all of it? Great question, Tim. I'm got look- an answer. Well, yeah, I do. Okay. Uh, cable. No, no money to be made in it. Cable companies feeling the pinch of people cutting the cord. Uh-huh. You're already going into their homes. Okay. You're going into their homes and people are upset about paying $300 a month. Yeah. But if you can go in there and promise 156 channels and zero demonic possessions, <laughs> all of a sudden $300 a month doesn't sound so bad. <laughs> I mean, why doesn't anybody else yeah. cast out demons? Listen, you will get Lifetime. You will get Fox News. You will get CNN. You will get ESPN and all eight affiliates and also zero <laughs> possessions. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Did you see the footies that I put on when I came in the door? I'm not even leaving footprints. Um, that's how serious I am. Um, yeah, no, that is, it's crazy though. But I mean, I guess my point is, is that religion is usually seen as this really rigid thing, but it's a little punk rock for them to be like, yeah, we kind of believe in demons. Um, I mean, I guess that's part of the whole yeah, thing. That is part of the whole thing. I know, but you would think that after a while they'd be like, uh, never mind that demon stuff from all those years ago. They were. <laughs> But people keep, but until oddly the early the 400 70s. Million. Yeah. <laughs> right. Okay. That's a fair point. I will, I'll give you that. Yeah. Uh, as my boss says, uh, talks cheap, takes money to buy I mean, whiskey. My, my poor friend who, you know, the, the thing that pisses me the, off the most about religion, I don't care if you practice religion, it's fine. But I don't like, some of the things and the ideas that it instills in people's minds and the things that they're afraid about. Cause I, you know, I was going to see, um, talk to me and I yeah. was like, do you want to come with we, uh, me and this other friend are going to go? And she's like, no, I don't want to go. That can really happen. And I was like, Oh God, did you no. see that? Yeah, I did. Oh, I didn't know you saw oh, yeah. that. Was it good? That was fine. I've heard some, uh... yeah, it was like, it was fine. The ending kind of loses itself and it's not, you know, I don't, it's not really what you think it's going to, I don't know. Did it, it really didn't stick with me. I heard that. speaking to like newer movies. I have heard <clears throat> that this newer exorcist movie just sucks. Oh yeah. I've heard that. Yeah. I mean, somebody called it an after school special and I'm not even, I'm like, I don't even know what that exactly. I like, I got a feeling of it, but I mean <laughs> yeah. like, that's not what you want from an exorcist film. No. Um, but, but, well, I was going to say then I was talking about this movie also with that same friend and I was being like, just bringing up like it's weird how that you know wasn't really a big thing until this movie came out and she was like i just thought it was something they kept very secret swept under the rug i was like i fucking hate that there is like that's a thing like that they teach people well you know i i'm going to tell you something and this is i i I, which is something obvious to me it feels very obviously made up okay so i'm going to try to not be too indulgent here but i'm going to i'm going to 
and it's okay if you want to rip on this because I'm, I'm setting myself up for it. No. So I've talked before about how at going to a religious school and prepping to be a pastor, like that very much was, was being groomed to, to do that. Um, that, uh, that I did feel at that time, what I feel, I remember the exact moment. There was a, an exact situation where there was an argument in class with, there was a, a group of kids in class that went to a different church that was, uh, other than ours, yeah. other than that the school was affiliated with and, and of a slightly different like level of intensity, um, meaning like, like snake charmers. Uh-huh. <laughs> so <laughs> I remember like arguing in, cl- in, in religion class and I got so fed up that I just stood up and I walked out and I was at the drinking fountain and I, and I, I know this sounds so silly if I don't even have that faith anymore, but I, at least the feeling that I had in that moment was a very true, I felt what you, what's called the calling mm-hmm. to, to be a, a pastor. And that's where I spoke with my pastors and they started pulling me out of classes to do weddings and funerals and that sort of thing. And um, so I guess it's kind of funny to me now that if I don't have that faith anymore, like why, why I would still attribute any sort of importance or weight to, the, to whatever it was I was feeling in that moment. Yeah. Um, now you would probably explain that as like, well, this was something that you cared about at the time yeah, and it affected and you it was and something that encompassed your, like you were at a school specifically for that. So <laughs> right. of course, and you know, yeah, you're looking for a purpose and you're a performer, right? You love being in front of people. What fucking better place to do that than at the head of a church? Well, and it's a good, it, because you say that it's kind of a really good thing that I didn't. Because being charismatic, the things you'd think now. Well, I'm just saying, like I, 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 I do. I consider myself charismatic. I, I do like to be the center of attention. And there's kind of no chance in hell that I wouldn't have started a cult. I mean, I absolutely. <laughs> that, yeah, actually. That I would have I mean, joined it. Yeah, right. And the th- well, I'll tell you, all you need is a little momentum, and then that car drives itself. Like, you just, you all you got to do it is, is get it crazy going. when you hear about cults, and you're like, this guy? People follow this? What <laughs> right? am I doing wrong? Yeah, he's not even wearing fur. Um, but uh, he's he's got those cool sunglasses, though. Um, but uh, have you ever watched anything on uh, on Jim Jones? No, he was like I was a David Koresh guy. Oh, well, another pair of glasses. Yeah, um, <laughs> that's but I heard right, <laughs> yeah, that's, apparently it's a thing. But um, no, Jim Jones was actually like super progressive in his racial relations, as far as inviting people of different races into the church. <laughs> which how ever many people he wanted to kill. <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah, right. <laughs> I don't discriminate who <laughs> I get to convince right. uh, kill himself. Yeah, yeah. I'm. Oh my god, I almost made a joke, and I'm not going to do it uh, about uh, Kool Aid flavors, but. Um, <laughs> Anyhow, <laughs> I just you don't need I, to. You don't I, need yeah, to. right. So anyhow, um, <laughs> I feel bad that I'm like singing this dude's praises. Like you wouldn't believe like what he, he was willing to let anyone into the church. Like that. That's just horrible. But so but he nice. was he was charismatic and uh, he seemed to be like a really nice dude. Um, but uh, but yeah, the fact that people were like like people that did all the right shit, like went to school and had families and had kids and had the house and had the car sold all that shit to follow this dude down to whatever the fuck South America country he was in. Like that is just insane. But I guess it just, it just speaks to the kind of like what you were saying for me, um, sort of 
adhering to that calling. It's just that people have a need to have a purpose, yeah. I guess. So that's how they get swept up into things. Yeah. Thank God we have none of that behavior going on right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's something we can both agree on. Uh, but uh, <laughs> but anyhow, so you mentioned some ADR earlier. And that voice, that like, that sort of uh, raspy. Yeah, it's so good. And it comes from Mercedes McCambridge. Oh, and who I believe who was it that said that she was the I'm guessing. um, Should I know who she is? Well, uh, somebody called her the best voice. uh, What is it? Voice. Well, I have it written right here. Eggs, whiskey, and cigarettes. There we go. That, that was her cocktail for the voice of the demon. Oh, she was in Giant. The movie Giant with James Dean? Yeah. Oh, nice. Yeah. Um, but yeah, apparently like a radio actress. Um, is it, a, is it, I, I'm sorry, is it a, it's a female, right? Yeah. I, did, I didn't yeah, yeah. know that for sure. Yes. Um, but I mean, yeah, extremely talented. And, um, and what she kind was, of, uh, Orson Welles called her the yes. world's greatest living radio actress. There it is. Yeah. So that fucking voice, which rules. And it. she won an Academy Award for her debut in All the King's Men. Excellent. There you go. Well, and, and it really kind of makes this movie. It's like, wh- where do you heap praise on to? First of all, it's all over the place. But Linda Blair, and we'll get to her in a second. But that voice in particular was so great. And if we're talking about, you know, if you need some validation of what we're talking about as a great movie here, it was literally the first horror movie nominated for best picture. Yes, it was. So you've got that going for it. So there's, and Violet Beauregard was going to possibly play. I uh, read that. Right there. Yeah. That. Um, I like her. She's cute. Yeah. Um, but there is something about Linda Blair though, that just even like, even before uh, well. maybe it was in the Wikipedia thing I was reading, but uh, even, um, I gotta go. I, was like, you know, she wasn't hot. <laughs> she was just kind of like pretty no. looking. You know, he didn't say hot, but right. no. But no, it was but like, like she was like cute, but not beautiful. Yeah, not like an angelic child or right. something like that. Yeah. yeah. Um. Did you read? Did you see that part about Stacy Keach being bought out? No. So Stacy Keach was going to be Father Karras. Okay. And they literally had to like pay him money to not be in the movie, be- only because they saw something I that. Mean, I- I'm glad. Yeah. Only because that. Yeah. Like, I mean, the, the character of Karis is sort of suffering and he is sort of tired and he is sort of worn out. But Stacy Keach does that so, so much that like, I don't need to be any more tired. Like, I don't I need somebody with a little bit more intensity, which is what they saw in Jason Miller, which is why they cast him. Um, and uh, by the way, just one more fun, quick fact before we talk about the movie and I go to the bathroom. But um, the pea soup. There, for, oh, you got a weak bladdy? Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. They said there's no no secret there. Um, so uh, yeah, like that just scratched out on my stomach. Weak bladdy. <laughs> but um, but yeah, apparently there was a preferred brand. Anderson's pea soup was the preferred <laughs> brand by the um, by the effects team over Campbell's. Wow, uh, mixed with a little bit of oatmeal. Funny part is, is that Jason Miller was told that the projectile vomit was going to hit him in the chest. Yeah. So when you see it hit his face, that's very much a real reaction. And oh. they got it in one day. I heard there were a lot of those. 
Oh, right. Where Friedkin was like, yeah, this is going to happen. And then it just <laughs> fucking would fuck with them. So talk to me, like we're both uh, fathers of daughters. Talk to me a little bit about um, about Linda Blair. And then if if anything, talk to me about not only her performance. Did you find yourself feeling um, just like your heart was getting ripped out in any of these scenes when you see her going through the torment? Well, I'll, I'll say this. I know you want me to talk about Linda Blair, but I got to talk about Ellen Burstyn yeah. because, yeah, as the parent, um, I was not prepared for how much like empathy I would feel toward Ellen Burstyn. And I would feel myself welling up in these scenes where she's crying and frustrated and doesn't know what to do because, uh, I mean, we've had uh, own issues with our own kids where, you know, there's a persistent problem. Our youngest had like stomach issues for years and years and we were just tearing our hair out. We went and had like a scope done and it's like you don't want you don't want your eight year old going, you know, under so they can jam something down their throat and scrape a bit of their stomach out. You know, like that's a that's a nightmare scenario. It turns out it was anxiety. So thank God for that. Um, but like any any scene where Ellen Burstyn is bursting into tears, I was <laughs> right there with her. Like that was the hardest part. I mean, Re- the, the Reagan stuff is great. Uh, it is a really good progression into her possession or whatever. I've got some issues with that, but that's for later. Um, <laughs> why does it happen so slowly? Who knows? Uh, but yeah, all all of the. I mean, I'm just like where she's just sitting around with the doctors, and I like I've been there before, and just been like, why the fuck can't you guys figure this out? Yeah, you're supposed. This is your job, right? God damn it. That's a really, really sad day when you're do- when you realize the doctors are like, "Well, we could try this." Like, we don't really know any better. Like, right. I mean, you know, I mean, because you, yeah, you just grow up thinking that they have. Well, they, they even say, um, "Isn't it in this movie where they say like uh, medicine is not an exact science?" Like, and you're like, well, "Wait a second! Of all sciences well, that I of, want yeah. to be exact, like I, mean, I yeah. like I want this one to be exact." There's a lot. It's one of my favorite lines in Rick and Morty where he says, "Science is more of an art than science." A lot of people don't know that, <laughs> right? And that <laughs> might be true. There's probably a lot of truth to that and not even like putting down doctors, but just saying like sometimes you got to get a little like creative and figure out what the fuck's going on. I think when it comes to like if you figure out a problem, you have if you've done it before, you have a diagnosis and a and a uh, um, uh, what's the thing you go through (laughs) where you're getting healed, whatever that's called. Right. Um, You know that 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 exists. But, yeah, if you don't know. Yeah, once you like, I've got this fucking swallow issue where food gets lodged in my throat, and I've done two swallow studies. And the worst thing they can ever say is, "Well, good, hey, good news, nothing's wrong." And I'm like, "No, something is definitely fucking yeah. wrong." Yeah, that's why I'm here. Um, that is so frustrating. And sure, it's like I, you know, I went to fucking Northwestern. I'm like this. I was like, "All right, finally, I will just go to Northwestern because they'll solve it." Yeah. And they didn't. You're right. Yeah. I'm going to Chicago. I did. University I did. Of Chicago. I did that same thing with uh, I went to Rush. 
uh, to solve some problems. Okay. And and it was the same doctor that's he's like the team doctor for the Bulls and the Sox and everything like that. And it was I was having issues with my elbows, uh, with my ulnar nerve uh, was literally hopping as I would bend my arm. Oh. I would hop over. <laughs> so it's like hitting your funny bone doing, yeah. constantly. Oh, God, yeah. So uh, and he like oh. I'm in there and I'm like getting like x-rayed and he's calling in medical students like, look at this, like because you could see it hop over, uh, which was yeah on both oh, arms. That sucked. I used to have to sleep with things that I would have to Velcro and they would have like long tongue plastic tongue depressors to keep my arms straight oh, yeah, at night. I remember that. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was a big thing. When was that? How that was, that was probably about three years ago. And then I, I actually oh, started using I that, that. I started using that K tape. Okay. Um, and I remember I, you talking about that though. Yeah. And I used like to have to wear so that every day. Ago. Well, maybe, no, maybe, maybe it was now actually. Yeah. Now that you say it's probably about five or six years ago. Yeah. yeah. Time's going fast. Too. It does. Yeah. <laughs> Somebody said 20 years ago, and I said 1980, and they said no. And I'm like, huh? Yeah. Uh, right. <laughs> but it's true. Yeah, though. This movie's 50 years old. Yeah, 50. Like, this is dude. like the first movie like in my purview that I've like have seen at least a couple times or something that is now 50 years old. Well, dude, like that means that like um that means we're almost. It 50. means it means that we're old. <laughs> it means that like Rebel Without a Cause is like 70 some years old, yeah. dude. That's fucking insane. Yeah. Um but anyhow, but but speaking to that medical thing, I loved, and even though I hated him, I loved the insertion of that minor role of the one doctor that's like, I'm not affected by anything. Like, you're, you're like reacting, but we're going to try this because we have to figure out if there's any physical problem before there's a mental problem. Yeah. Like, and that dude is such a minor character, but I think he was representing... I, I have to believe that this is in the minority, but whatever, like if, if there's any sort of callousness in medicine, which maybe they have to be that way. Yeah, maybe oh, they have sure. to be that way where it's like, like, look, we can get hysterical, but we're trying to solve a problem here. Yeah. And we have to go through it like ruling things out isn't as good as finding something, but it also has like half credit. Yeah. Like it's it's worth it. So it can be it can be a, probably a pretty fucking depressing job. Right. So sure. I'm sure they weed a lot of those people out. I mean, I'm sure Dr. Brian could tell us stories of yeah. people who couldn't hack it on, you know, week three. Right. Well, yeah, there is. And speaking of, we mentioned George C. Scott earlier. It was like uh, he when he was he uh, was in the Marines and the, the position that he held in the Marines was being one of the like honor guards at like Arlington Cemetery. So he would be there when people were buried and handing the flags to the family. Mm -hmm. And he said, it was that time that I developed a lifelong appreciation for alcohol that never left. <laughs> and <laughs> so it's like, well, yeah, why wouldn't you? Yeah. Funerals every day. Yeah. But anyhow. Um, so, yeah. So we've got we've got a real I think this is an important discussion here because. Everybody says like, ooh, the exorcist and the pea soup and the head spinning around and this, that and the other. But I'm sorry. The majority of this movie is a heavy fucking drama. About. Yeah, it is a heavy fucking family drama where not only that, but you have this. Oh, God, I hate this shit. This this scene about the um, Reagan's birthday and her dad is is traveling overseas and he's not calling and Ellen Burstyn's character is so upset that he won't even make a phone call to their daughter on her birthday. And Reagan is hearing this and, and you're just like, God, this is, this is more than just like, you know, gut munching and jump scares. I mean, this is a really heavy drama Yeah, and it's very affecting. And, and, and you're right to mention Ellen Burstyn because God 
damn it, does she ever? She Shoot. always gives a hundred thousand percent. She's like all those like really, really talented girls that you knew like in school growing up in drama, but not annoying. Um, like <laughs> that's like that's what she is. Like someone that just fucking does the work, but you can tell isn't pretentious about it. Yeah. Um. But we have, before we get she in... She hadn't done a lot of movies before this, right? Like, she was relatively... Well, I guess she did a lot of movies, but she... No, actually, no. She had done, like, five. She was kind of cast early on, like, for beauty-type stuff. Yeah. And, like, she was a dancer. And but I know she came to Freakin' and was like, I was born to play this role. Yeah. Like, this is... And she proved it. Absolutely. Um, and she's great. Even, I, just watched, I just watched the beginning of it while I was, like, doing my write-up and shit. Really, just because my kid was in the room, so I'm like, I'm gonna make her watch some of the exercises. Yes, um, and yeah, just her, just her progression from how, like, acting naturally is probably one of the hardest things to do sure. in acting, where you're sure. just like talking in a kitchen to people, um, and that that shit comes off so flawlessly, and and then to play an actress, which. Is hard. Like, that is also hard. But that's what I love about it, dude, is that as you're watching her, you're not like, now this is to her credit, this is to the director's credit and the writer's credit, which is like, we're not going to focus on her being an actress. Like, suddenly that, like, reprograms an entire right. person's mentality. Yeah, you like, forget about yes, it. Yes, you do, which is the best fucking thing, yeah. which actually even makes it, now they don't mention it. Look, a, a lesser movie would be like, here comes the phone call from the, the PR person, from the manager, like, hey, we need you back on set. <laughs> right. You know, all that fucking stupid bullshit. We need all, you to do PR for the movie coming. I can't! My daughter is <laughs> Exactly. And 99% of other movies would do that. But it, it's she's an actress. She works. We know that she's done well for herself. You know, whatever wealthy, that, that's all beside the fact. And I guess that that's what I love about it is that the, no matter how you're, you're invited to, to dinners at private dinners mm. at the president's house. Yeah. The White House. Five or six people. Yeah. <laughs> You're invited. She's like, maybe I'll go. Yeah. You're invited to these things. You have a couple different Mercedes. Um, You're in this gorgeous house. You're a famous person. But the movie isn't dwelling on the fact that that is somehow saving you from the hardship. None of that shit matters. No, it it, it literally does her no favors like whatsoever. Once the director dies, it's ne- like her career is never mentioned again. Mm-mm. mm-mm. And and I love it about that. Now, speaking of that director, uh, if you haven't seen the movie, uh, Mr. Bean is a lifelong alcoholic, <laughs> dried out, gray, Dude, like, but just I kind love of that guy awesome. so much. Even just in the brief, because uh, Nancy was, the, I mean, she's seen this before, but, you know, probably not in a long time. So just the scene where they're filming the movie and he walks over to her. She's like, look at how that guy walks. I'm like, you have no idea how much this guy rules. <laughs> His yes. walk is the least awesome thing about him. And you know, there's, there's a lot of things that um, we'll get, we'll get past the, the cast here. Um, and I don't want to rush through it, but we'll get past that. But there's some really interesting things that, that he does that play into what is a almost undetectable rise in supernatural forces uh-huh. in this movie. And he's a part of that oh. in that, in that scene. Um, 
uh, in the the scene of the party at uh, at Chris's house, uh, Ellen Burson's house. Um, but yeah, he's fun to watch, and he's like, this is where we get our like. These are what these crazy Hollywood people are like. Mm-hmm. Um, by way of London, uh, but he's great. He's fun to watch. Um, <laughs> the way he fucking needles <laughs> Carl, well, is so good and such a awesome. Because, again, none of this shit comes back around. No one ever, like, harps Carl for maybe being a Nazi or anything. Yeah, it's Carl this, being very German, by the yeah, way. Very Ger- Wait, yeah, very German. Swiss. Yeah, Swiss. Sorry. Yes. You're right. <laughs> but, yeah, the, at, so at this party, yeah, the um, – fuck, what is this? I'm looking Burke. Other shit. Yeah, Burke. He, you know, is like, oh, so did you do PR for the Nazis, you know? Right. And finally gets Carl to fucking snap to where – it's it's almost like he's been waiting for it and gets to throw his drink down. Like he does a real like yeah. throwing my drink down, and they drag Carl away, and then he's just like, hmm, "What's for dessert?" Yeah, <laughs> right. I got the rise out of that guy that I wanted. Okay, because right. I'm a powerful director, I'm I'm not going to be thrown out of the party. Right. Yeah, and he isn't. I mean, it's only when he's just too incapacitated. Is it implied they're fucking though. Right? Well, because Reagan's like, you're going to marry him. Well, there's th- th- this. I mean, this... there are demons in this movie. That's the least believable thing in this well, movie. <laughs> well, I promise. Yeah, right. That. Yeah, we'll we'll get into all of that, and th- because there's th- there are people that see that character of Burke and uh, read, I think, too much into him. Um, that. Uh... Well, we'll get to that. Let, let, yeah, I pro- th- then this is fun. So when we get to having to figure out the like. You are here, and the start point of how did things get to possession? <laughs> there's a there's a lot of stops along the way. Okay, so we got him. We have Jason Miller, uh, who is um, Jason Patrick's father. Oh, right. Who is right. married to Jackie Gleason's daughter? Okay, and they had Jason Patrick. Uh, Jason Patrick's father, our grandfather, is uh, Jackie Gleason. Um, so he is fantastic. I wonder how sweet that was. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's sweet enough yeah, to just. There are two people who got that reference. So, yes, <laughs> right. and they're in this room. So, right. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, sweet enough to where you just have to keep asking the question <laughs> perpetually. Um, but um, but yeah, so he is wonderful in this. Um, he he and Jason Miller probably should have had a much better career. He oh. struggled a lot with alcoholism, but oh, okay. Um, and yeah, he is. Phenomenal. He's so and you're like, good why do I not know him from anything else? Yeah, and it was it was Other sad. Than Exorcist, Exorcist three. three, which he should have had a bigger part in, but again, like his struggles with with uh uh taking to drink uh you know kind of held him back from things. But he's fantastic in this, and we we get a lot of stuff. We get, you know He was a Broadway guy before this, right? Did you he know, like write a show. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Writer, writer and actor. Yeah. Okay. So that's actually how they found him. I can't remember what the name of the movie is, but he was in a movie that he wrote and was in. And they were like, yeah, we want that okay. guy um, because you do want a guy that you could believe was smart enough to go to Johns Hopkins um, and also tender enough, even though he's kind of like on the backside of that tenderness um, to, to be a, a psychologist or psychiatrist to priests like th- that's not an easy role to fill. Yeah. And also a guy that just sort of generates intensity. And he does like his that man's face just sends out a lot uh, to take in and, uh, yeah, and to where you believe it, because 
uh, Chris only asks about him because she's seen him. Mm-hmm. But he does stand out because she's like, that guy's fucking intense. What's his deal? <laughs> right. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. He's a boxing priest psychiatrist. And that's his fucking deal. Um, and um, and we Loves get his mother. Shame. He's a priest. Right. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> and um, do you say loves his mother? Yeah. Yeah. And he does. He and does. that's that's a thing. That's a huge the, part of his no, it's and it's and I don't mean to make this like no other, eth- uh, you know, nationalism can love their mother. But there is a thing about <laughs> Greeks and their mothers. There there just is. And anybody that's Greek that's listening to this right now, especially guys, you you know what I'm talking about? Like that, that there is just a it is one of those cultures that just has such a strong family bond that is um it's it's just and it really comes through here in this film. Yeah. And um and it's kind of like we can for all of the movies that we've covered that were like who can fucking afford these apartments? And then we get one like this where it's like, I've seen haunted houses <laughs> that are literally like fake rooms right. that are like sturdier oh, you mean like than a, his a, mom's a, apartment. That people go to and pay. Yeah, okay. yeah. Like, yeah, you go to a shitty like haunted house. haunted house. Right. Okay. Yeah. It was painted and decorated in the same 45 <laughs> minutes and constructed. Um, and that's what his mom's place looks like. But um, but we we get enough time to where we see that relationship with them and we see her caring for him and we see him sort of guilt ridden. Jason Miller accomplishes the almost impossible, which is to be a character that is so racked with guilt and feeling and emotion. But he's not some like sap. Right. That's tough to balance. I mean, they're like, I imagine a director being like, you have to look like you are conflicted 100% of the time. Really, you do. Um, But but we don't want you to just, we don't want Woody Allen either. Like, (laughs) we we just want, we got to see some strength there. And Ben there, we can't believe my mother died. (laughs) I wasn't even there. Right. This is somehow my fault. Um, but uh, brother told me to put her in the. I shouldn't have put her. There. Yeah, yeah. It was it was a medical facility. Am I wrong? I mean, like there was doctors there. Like, um, <laughs> I'm not a bad person. No young nurse, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're pretty cute too. Um, uh, but uh, no, that's um, that's the thing. Like we we really get like this little thing. Like just it's like you would normally think that there's no room in a movie where we've got Reagan and her mom, there's no room for Jason Miller and his mother, but there is like they, they, they fit it in and it, and they don't rush through it. It all makes sense. And we feel the power, power of it. And he's fantastic. Um, now Linda Blair, my favorite, and I'm going to, I, I'm going to get through this quickly because there's, there's all kinds of fun stuff to get to with the supernatural stuff. Mm. I'm going to say this. My favorite fucking parts about Linda Blair in this movie have nothing to do with the possession parts. Yeah. She is so Ouija board, the Ouija board, her just like being tucked into bed at night, like the little things that she's doing, like she's supposed to be 12 years old and she does this like biting her lip thing and like kind of like the way that 12 year olds are sort of like folk, like not focused on anything. Like right. they're listening to what you're saying, but they're kind of also thinking of the next thing they want to say. Like they're not quite teenagers yet, but they're not children. And she plays that 
not over the top, like I'm going to be super sweet so that when I'm possessed, it looks extra crazy. Yeah. She just comes across as like a goof. 12 year olds are goofy. Yeah. Like they're, they're, they're sort of, um, they're not very refined. They're not, they haven't really settled into their looks yet. They're kind of, they're not real cute kids anymore, but they're not like, you know, some like good looking chiseled, like 18 year old. They're, they're just sort of in the middle and she plays that believability so fucking good. Mm -hmm. I mean, and it, like I said, it's the little things. It's the like, I'm going to answer your questions and I'm not really a four year old, but I'm going to like, kind of say something, although I'm not really sure of it, but I can still engage in conversation. Like she's just perfect. She's perfect. Yeah. And she wasn't that much. She was 14. Their relationship feels very realistic Yeah, between her and Ellen Burstyn. Yeah. Just the way they kind of banter with each other. And that, and that goes, which back- makes you feel like how much of this is scripted, how much of this isn't. I'm sure there. I'm sure it was pretty scripted. But. Well, but no, but you're right. That's where you get some of the Burke stuff. That's that the, was the part that was very touching to me. Was the sort of like, as a parent, sometimes, especially in divorce situations, you think that you can keep a lot of secrets from your kids, and they really, they always know. Yeah. And the way that that Regan brings up. The fact that like, oh, you can bring Mr. Burke or Mr. Dennings if you want to. Um, And her mom thinking like, oh, you don't know anything about he and I like we're just friends because that's what I've been putting across, you know. And and to tell you the truth is audience members, we don't even really know (laughs) (laughs) because it doesn't make any physical sense. But but I, I love that. I love that connection between them. That's great. Yeah. And um, so we have Linda Blair's and obviously when we get into the possession stuff, like, I'm sorry if it's not your voice and you're you're having to I'm sure that it probably goes the other way. It's like which came first, the chicken or the egg. It's probably Linda Blair doing her performance and the ADR person matching up with that. Yeah. Right. So but still, she does a great job. Um, I mean, a fo- God, think about it. just fucking stop and clear your mind for a second and think about how many 14 year old girls that, you know, that could pull that shit off. Yeah. Not many, dude. <laughs> fucking Maybe amazing. Maybe Beauregard, but that's about it. <laughs> yeah. She's the only other one. Yeah. Uh, but she, no, I don't even think she, I mean, she would have been fine as like, she would have been fine as the, like the, like pissy about it, you <laughs> yeah. know? Um, but <laughs> But no, but uh, Linda Blair is really, really sweet, but not not fakely sweet. Some of this has to go. Some of this credit has to go to Freakin. I I I have to believe that Friedkin was the reason why. I mean, he was working with talented people, but we get some really honest performances out of these people. Yeah. Really, really great in the moment stuff. What What have you seen of his stuff? I mean, have you seen? Uh, did you see? I've never seen. I've never seen the French Connection. Oh God! Yeah, is there a car chase in that? (laughs) (laughs) Roy Scheider is in it. Yeah, I no. I've I've never seen. We have a younger friend, Paul, and our friend Eric, who loves that movie. Got him to watch it, and he was like, "All right, (laughs) really? Yeah. Have you seen it? But yeah, it's been a while since I've seen it. But you know, it's like the first buddy cop movie." Now there are a billion and that fucking trope has been played out to where we have, comp, you know, the other guys is a whole movie making jokes about uh, buddy cops. Right. Wait, that's the French Connection is a as a buddy movie. Like I mean, a- kind like 
I say that in that it was, you know, it has now become such a bastardization of that. But yeah, it was the first kind of like two partners, you know. Tango and cash. Uh, yeah, yeah, kind of that kind of thing. Uh, Lethal weapon. Yes. Right. Yeah. In that vein. Uh, but those are all kind of variations of, I mean, there's a lot more going on in the French Connection. You're right. Um, yeah, that movie is good. I have not seen it in a long time. I should probably watch it again. So um, I, I'm going to ask you a quick question. I'm going to run to the bathroom real quick, and then we're going to get into some of the supernatural stuff. Um, trust me, there are some other performances here, and we're going to talk about Lee J. Cobb. He's one of my favorites from On the Waterfront. He plays a mob boss, and there's a great scene when he's much younger. This was in the 50s where, like, uh, he thinks uh, somebody in his gang is holding out, you know, money on him and skimming off the top, and he just goes, gimme, 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 and he's, like, slapping the guy across <laughs> the face, and he's he's so awesome, and he's so fucking good as the cop in this movie, Kinderman. Um it, it, there's just great performances across the board. I, yeah. I'm not sure that there's a weak one. In and it's it. kind of a forgotten part. It is. Yeah, it is. And, and, and I think that because I think it's because of the facets that he puts into it. It, it, I think that because he's playing it multifaceted, it's not like he's the hardened cop. That's going to get to the bottom of things. Right. And he's suspicious and he hates everybody. And he thinks that they're a killer. Like he's, uh, he's adaptable. Like he has his thoughts, but he keeps a lot of things inside. Like he's uh, to, to play a character. Normally it's like if as an actor, it's like, you've got to put out all the stuff of who you are. So the audience knows who you are. Yeah. And then it's like, you get handed a part where it's like, you can't really say anything that you are thinking. <laughs> You know, you can, you have to like keep it all inside, but we still have to know who you are. Yeah. Uh, he just does a great job. And um, I love the fact that um, a lot of, and I saw, like I mentioned, the director's cut and the theatrical cut. Um, way back when a casual drink in the middle of the day wasn't such a damn big deal. <laughs> Neither was smoking oh, everywhere. So many hospital <laughs> smoking scenes. Yeah. Uh, doctor, what's wrong with my child? Let me light this first. <laughs> right. And then we'll talk about Emphysema. it. Emphysema. <laughs> right. Yeah. We don't know what's causing it. <laughs> right. Um, so I do want to talk about the supernatural stuff, but yeah. real quick, because you are an interesting case, which I'm sure a lot of our, our listening audience is, or at least half or whatever. Um, I want to, I, 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 as best as you can articulate it. Um, how My specialty, <laughs> how you, how you are able to either enjoy or not enjoy. Are you missing out on something? Are you st still able to see it for what it is watching a movie like this? That centers so much on religious phenomenon as an atheist. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like I, I mean, I, especially this movie, I had no issue with it. You know, I think if it really leans, heavily into it and it's like so much supernatural then yeah of course that's gonna i'm not i'm not gonna be as affected by it but like we brought up earlier this movie is really a drama and when you have you know these scenes where it when i see father karis and most of father karis's scenes are not in a religious scenario um that helps build that character out out of this like one note Oh, he's just involved in the church and he's a very spiritual man and you know his life is dedicated to the church. No, this is like a good complicated man who is 
having a crisis of faith because he sees the pain that his mother's going through and he's like, how can the thing that I've um you had this pen? Okay. <laughs> you know, how you know, how can the how can the the faith that I've put in this savior uh, be, not be helping my mom. Like, help me out here, bud. You know, so I I love that. Um, there even at the beginning of the movie, which we haven't talked about yet. Even the fucking Wikipedia summary doesn't talk about. Um, I I assume there's more in the director's cut about it in the northern Iraq when we first meet Max von Sydow. Which, for all of my lack of geographical knowledge, I was like, that must have been where Babylonia is, because uh, Babylon was considered like the like a a godless place. Okay, which it actually turns out, yeah, I was right. Yeah. Um. So like, like even that is, you know, it's more archaeology than than theology going on in in that scene. So and even the priests are like that are at the party. Uh, are very relaxed. There's the one who's like, I just want to play piano forever. And ever. <laughs> <laughs> you know? So, you know, it's, uh, I think this movie paints the, the religious community, especially the higher ups, because I think the higher ups, ironically, are probably a little more relaxed about it than the followers. If you know what I'm talking about. Um, yeah, if you were to bring in someone off the street, they, you know, would probably freak the fuck out about demons or whatnot. Um, but a lot of these characters just seem like normal people who, and this is their job. Uh, I'm sure they do believe in it, but it's, you know, no one's proselytizing at the party. It's not, it's not their life, right? Um, so, yeah, to me, I mean, in a movie like this, no issue at all with it. It had a, it really adds, I mean, you, Obviously, can't have this movie without there being something religious in it. That's kind of the whole impetus. Um, But because it's not the center of it, yeah, I have no problem with that. Well, that's and I guess that probably speaks to like the just the the quality of the filmmaking in general and and how much the story is bringing you in. So I know I can tell you this much when I very, very first watched this movie and it by no means counts because we got only as far as the beginning in Iraq and Mm -hmm. we're like, fuck it, turn this off. Where are the boobs like, you know, (laughs) let's put on Return of the Living Dead or whatever. Um, So I didn't even get through it in that first uh, initial attempt. Oh. Okay. So finish uh, yeah. this, but yeah, I want to talk about the first time we each watched this. Then. Yeah. So, um, so there's, there is that part in the beginning. What, what we essentially have here is f- both Friedkin and Blatty, like not really holding our hands at all through this movie, as far as, this happened and because this happened now this other thing happened and which is the reason why this other thing happened to go from northern iraq to georgetown wherever both of those may be yeah um you know like you you, a normal movie would hit some checkpoints along the way would show you a little bit more of a linear travel plan from one to the other why are we going from this old priest by the way 
Max von Sydow, only 44 years old when he made this movie. Insane. Yeah. Makeup and his hair, his hairline was, was kind of like shaved back. Because I was like, I don't know. I mean, this looked older back. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Well, a lot of times they did, but it's like, holy shit. Like that. I mean, it's, it's unbelievable that he was that. I mean, I could see if you told me that they had like a a guy that was in his like late 50s playing that role. Yeah. Okay. But 44, like, like that's he impressive. He plays really well. Yes. Like when he's shaking, trying to get his pills out. Right. Yeah. I there's do that at 44. I got too much to control. There's something about like when they have in movies where people are like shaking and like needing their pills. It's like, man, it sucks that they want that so bad, but it's so fucking hard for them to get right. it, you know? And he has the world's like, smallest that pills. always come down to, I have a, 30 second window to take this or I die. <laughs> right. Exactly. Right. I don't know when. Uh, right. But when it happens, I got 30 seconds. Uh, right. Um, yeah. And thank God I have like 60 of these mini pills <laughs> at all times. Um, but yeah, no. Uh, it, it, so yeah, get what is he getting nitroglycerin in Iraq? <laughs> right. Exactly. Um, I mean, now you probably scrape it off a building, but. They're like, uh, they're like a goat's milk nitroglycerin or like, no, yeah, no. It's like, where are the, where's the pharmacy in Iraq? Um, I, I don't know the answer to that, but, um, but no. So what we get here now, some of what we'll start to talk about here is what we might feel. I'll, I'll offer up some of the theories that I've heard. And um, and we'll try to get and and maybe some of it isn't supposed to be known. Yeah. But um, so the reason why this movie starts where it does is because a lot of the focus on this, believe it or not, even though we get more screen time with Father Karras, Jason Miller's character, it's really Marin that is th- kind of like the the that's our heavyweight title fight here between the devil and Marin yeah. because Marin has beat him before. And so the devil is kind of gunning for him a little bit. We have this scene where in Iraq, where Marin not only finds this old artifact that, that seems to be of a false God or whatever, or a, a demon, uh Pazuzu, but he also finds the medallion that priests wear for protection. So when he finds a medallion that a priest wears for protection along with that, that means that somewhere a priest lost his protection and not that it's all tied into a necklace, but it it represents that. But in his mind, it it was a priest was battling evil and probably lost. Okay. And so that part makes, I forgot about that. I mean, I like remember like seeing it. I was like, is that an artifact? There's like a loop on the top for a chain. Like, that's <laughs> right. some pretty cheap prop right there. But that makes way more sense. I mean, it does come into play later, and I probably should have made the connection. You're like, now I believe in God. Right. Um, but <laughs> so, um, so there's that. So when we get this scene again, not a lot about not. A, there's not. I mean, we talk a lot about too much exposition. Uh, we might have could use a little bit more. Little yeah. Great. But Marin says going into this, if I can interrupt. Yeah. Yeah. Going into this movie, having only seen it, I feel like maybe I've seen it once since high school, but I barely remember even that. I know I saw it at a party in high school, Um, but it's like 
Yeah, because I, I like know the bits there and I know the guy was in Iraq and I, you know, and I know the girl's possessed. So I kept waiting for that moment where, oh, we got this package and there's a thing in it, you know, and that maybe that's where the demon came from. But there's never a like, ah, the demon came from this. No, it was just kind of a random chance, I guess. Right. Which is still doesn't satisfy me at all. I would have liked a little bit of as hokey as it. I mean, this that's that's my struggle. I think with this movie because that is hokey to be like, oh, we got the well, what's this package? I don't know. There's just some doll in it. Put it put it on the shelf. We'll ignore it, and then that comes back later. Um, but there's nothing in this. Which yeah. I guess if you're just a fucking demon, I don't know. What are the rules? Do you need something like that? Can you just possess someone randomly like that? So, okay. So what happens here, uh, What what? And, and, and this was a trail that I really tried to put together to have like a concise understanding. There was so much bullshit out there. I saw one douchebag would be like, it's all because Regan started masturbating. I'm like, you fucking idiot. Wow. Like, it's got nothing to do with that. Even in the book, it doesn't. Somebody was like, no, I've read the book and there is no mention of masturbation. You're just a freak. Yeah. Um, so anyhow, forget that. So he finds these artifacts and while we're not told anything, it's enough for him to have a feeling to say, there's something I have to do. There's a, there's a place I have to be. Yeah. He might not know uh, who the fuck Karis is. He certainly doesn't know who Regan is, but he knows that finding these things and the way that he's feeling, he knows I've got, I've got to get home. There's something, there's something that I have to do. So he, he leaves Iraq, he goes home and that's really like we we hardly even know where the hell he goes. You don't hear from him until the last yeah. twenty minutes. So then the question always is: If Marin found an artifact in northern Iraq that had to do with Pazuzu, why in the hell is is Regan being possessed in Georgetown? Yeah, what's the connection? Well, that's where it gets a little looser. So. If Marin goes back home and we're given to believe that he's somewhere kind of close to Georgetown, not too far away. So the devil like water uh, looks for like the easiest way, the target of opportunity, as we call it in fighting. So it's going to look for least resistance. Yes, it's going to look for where it can go most easily. Now, a lot of times when the devil and and what I'm saying here isn't by all means scientific fact, but what the devil, what the devil does is he's looking for somebody that is ripe for suggestion. And that can come from somebody who's questioning themselves because of guilt. Maybe their parents got divorced and they feel guilty about it. And they're kind of questioning things. They really need somebody to to be there for them. Maybe you can access them through a Ouija board. Um, that that would be a way to do it. Also, let's go back to that party for a second with Burke. Burke is obviously very intoxicated. Yeah, he's weak in in that in that moment. So when because we see things, we hear things happening in the house before Regan is full on possessed. Yeah. In that moment where Burke is saying, like, because he's already being a little off color. We know that he's a colorful character. Oh, yeah. But um, he's already, like, being a little, like, sexually suggestive with saying he's got a pubic hair in his drink. And then he's really gunning after this uh, person that he thinks is German. A lot of what's happening there is Burke's 
behavior is part of the demonic disturbance. Okay. It's not just Burke being Burke. It's that the devil's like, yeah, like I got, I like you're a little drunk. I can ease into that and yeah. I can push you and I can make you hate. I can make you say things. I can make you do things because you're, you're in a weakened spot. So that is, that is where some of that stuff comes from. So we're already seeing some possession in the director's cut. Regan's, uh, Demonic possession is a lot more, I wouldn't say it's more gradual, but it's, it's evident earlier on. Yeah. And it's also a longer process. It's a longer, it's already torturous as it is in the theatrical cut for her mom to have to go through all this, but it's even longer uh, for her to go through more painful things, more experiments, more uh, poking and prodding and that sort of thing. So what's happening there is that, you might say, okay, but what about Karis? Well, Karis is also feeling a lot of guilt for his mother's death. So what the devil is doing, yeah, why because isn't he possessed then? Well, because the devil, he's, he's gunning, he's gunning for Marin. So the, the devil likes to, you know, he's a trickster. He likes to play. So it's like, if I'm gunning for Marin, I'm going to gun, not just directly for him, but for the people that surround him. Yeah. And that's why some people say there's a scene where Jason Miller as Karis throws what he tells Regan is holy water, but it's actually tap water. But the demon reacts like it's burning and yeah. burning. That's because that demon wants that fucking fight. Okay. It wa- I want you to do the exorcist. I want you to bring Marin here. Yeah. I want to, I want I want another piece of that guy. Yeah. So that's why that happens. And it's also like, you know, the, the devils are, are the devil is considered like a master of deception. So, um, you know, they say he lies. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I don't believe him. And, um, and it's like, and it's also faking, I'm also going to fake my weakness when when the devil opens a drawer and then Kara says closes it and says do that again and and he has that great line about that's too vulgar a display of power right. um but it's kind of like I can open it but I don't I don't want you to see how strong I am yeah. because I'm reserving that for when I really want to use it which is to kill Burke yeah to kill Marin um and now I'm going to Take a quick left turn here. I don't believe. Does he kill Marin though? Marin just has a heart attack. Well, maybe. Yeah. Maybe. I use my powers to keep his pill case closed. (laughs) Right. Exactly. Um, Yeah. I uh, I made his fingers slippery. We're getting into what the fuck does this demon? What is the power? Like really? Like you're. Uh, don't come in this eight by eight bedroom or you'll die. Other than that, I really can't do much of anything. Well, that's a great question. And, and part of that is if, if there is a cheat in it, it's that it is the master of deception. So it's like, I'm not going to show you all my power. Cause I want you to like, I'm picking a fight. Yeah. Like um, I'm baiting you. And so the, the thing is though, I'm going to mention this real quick and, but only quick because I don't put any stock in any of it. There are some people that believe that maybe Burke was molesting Regan. 
I, I, oh. I don't see any of that. I'm no, sorry. I, I just don't. There's, there's mention of him being in her room. Um, there is like her sort of seeming to have more knowledge of the relationship than her mother can understand that she has. But I just see that as like childhood insight. Yeah. You know, uh, I, I don't I feel go- like the kid would not be like, I hope you marry that guy. They'd be <laughs> right? like, Mom, yeah. I just don't like that. I can't really pin down why I don't like him. Yeah. If anything, it would be the astronaut where she's like, oh, you're going to die up there. <laughs> To the fucking astronaut, uh, which actually took me about five viewings to realize that that's what oh, that's, that's what she was saying. Yeah, that's okay. the astronaut. Yeah, you're gonna so die up there. Stairs. Yeah, like I thought it. Meant. The, the, yes, yes, oh, right. Yeah, it's it's because okay. he's an astronaut. He's talking about the Gemini program and yeah. all that stuff. Yeah. So and it, I I would love to claim that's that. Pretty fucking good. Yeah, but that's that's where that is. And um, that's a strong blatty right there. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. David Bowie's like, ooh, a song idea. Um, but uh so <laughs> so there's so that that is mentioned, but I don't give it much credit. So basically, I still have a little bit of a hard time wrapping my mind around that. The other thing was when I thought that I figured it out, because when Kinderman the cop finds that like headpiece at the bottom of the stairs, yeah. I'm like, I started thinking really linear. I'm like, okay. Uh, Marin finds this in Iraq. He comes back home. He's like, I don't want this damn thing. And he throws it by the stairs. And then it's the proximity to her window that makes her get possessed. Is that the piece he finds in Iraq? No. Okay. It it. is clay. And it is the reason why. But it's, it's in the shape of something, right? It's in the shape of something. But the, the, the important part is, is that it's clay. It's the reason why Kinderman picks up the clay turtle and says, who's the artist, your daughter? He, Kinderman is gunning for oh, the. Okay. He's going after the fact that she might have killed Burke. Right. So he's saying, I found this wax piece over here on the uh, at the murder scene. Here's a wax piece here. Your daughter clay. makes these wax clay. I'm sorry. Clay pieces. And also there's a desecration of the, the statue of Mary in the church also desecrated with clay. <laughs> so Is she pretty fucking crazy? Yeah. Cock on that Mary. Right. Yes. <laughs> right. With the, yeah. the Madonna saw that and was like, I got an idea yeah, for a bra. Mary, mother of God. <laughs> uh, but so, um, yes. Uh, yeah. Your, Mary, your, your mom sucks Mary's cock in hell. Um, so... <laughs> That that's like just doubly blasphemous. But anyhow, um, so I guess what we're, we're and I, I I don't want to say led to believe because it certainly isn't like laid out for us like a red carpet. Yeah. But that I guess you get a lot more from the book, and that is that Regan's possession is causing her to do things um, even before she's like full blown like pasty face. Yeah. Um, which is like desecrating that thing. Somebody that has something against. That's why Kinderman's saying like this would be somebody that has a vendetta against the church. Well, it's fucking Pazuzu, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. But he's only subtly um, possessing Regan at that point. So, um, so yeah, I. It's a little bit loose. I think we might get a little bit more if we read the book. But what I'm, what I understand so far is that Marin makes contact with something in Iraq. He 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 feels a sense to go home, and the devil is like, "I'm gonna follow you there, and then I'm gonna have a little fun with you. I'm gonna I'm gonna fuck with these people to bait you in. I'm gonna get you. I'm not gonna go right at you because that's no fun. Because all I have to do is be the devil. 
every day. <laughs> like, so I got to make it interesting. Yeah. So that's why he goes after everybody around him. But in the meantime, we get all these really interesting um, questions of faith and backsliding faith and strength in the face of, of things that would um, like, I love the fact that where he says, you know, when Marin is, is uh, uh, preparing Karis for the, the exorcism and he says, like, he's he's going to say, you know, it's the father of lies, but he also mixes lies with the truth. Mm-hmm. And then that's where we get the Demi, <laughs> his sweet Greek mom, you know, ta- always like, you know, never quite really happy about anything. A hundred percent, you know, always, I'm not saying she's always complaining, but, um, you know, she's she's a lot. She's she's a uh, high maintenance. But um, but, you know, we see Jason Miller like struggling with he's already grieving his mother, but this is fucking key. I'm not just rambling here. I promise it's key because at one point it's too much for him. And he's like, this, all this mom shit is too much for me. I'm going downstairs. I'm taking a U- union five. Um, and so he goes downstairs and Ellen, Ellen Burstyn in the nicest way is kind of like, what you doing? <laughs> right. Yeah. All done up there. Yeah. No. Well, what the fuck are you doing you know, down here? A long time. You've been yeah. at it five minutes. Yeah, right. And, uh, but the, but the fucking key thing that she says is asks, is she going to die? And it's in that moment that Karis is like, if there's one fucking thing I'm going to do, I am not going to let another woman die. Yeah. You know, that that's that I feel close to her. I feel responsible for he's already grieving his mother. And he's like, I don't get I don't care what it takes. This little girl is not going to fucking die. Yeah. And that's where he goes back up there and goes back into that room. And Marin is dead and he has to do it himself. And he's willing to sacrifice himself just to just to not have to have somebody else basically die on his watch. Yeah. And it's a nice, it's a nice use of that like color in his face. Like he goes pale and he's got those green like Hulk eyes. Yeah. And then for a second he's flesh colored again. And it's like in that moment he has the realization, I'm gonna throw myself out yeah. the fucking window. This is the opportunity I've been waiting for. Yeah. And it's very powerful. This demon's weak as fuck. And if I die, he disappears. I don't know. <laughs> I hope. I'm not going to, it's not going to be my problem. His possession takes so quick, but Reggett's takes so long. Ooh, well, that's, well, he's welcoming it in though. He's welcoming, he's welcoming in it. Uh, (laughs) So now uh, just a little fact to just ruin everything for everybody. Those stairs are about 40 feet from the window. If you actually go and visit the site. So yeah, yeah, they built on a little extra wing. Bullshit. Right. Bring on believer. Yeah. Um, but uh, is that what the new one's called? Yeah. yeah fuck that. So. So anyhow, but I, I guess nice the country can be united into hating something again. Yeah. And the fact that it's religion based. I mean, you're just yeah, you're, you're living your best life right now. Um, so. Uh, so, yeah, he does that. And um, now but I, I know that you and I are were excited about this. We're also excited about something else. What, what, what you and I are part of a music league. Yeah. And um, but we can't get anywhere close to ending this without talking about the music of this film. Oh, yeah. Which uses what's called tubular bells by Mike Oldfield. 
So I talked with Dr. Renault about this music because I said, you know, I don't know if I'm the dummy or whatever, but I kind of always sort of lightly associate this with the Halloween theme. Uh, that is what I said to Nancy today. I was like, no way did Carpenter not and get that's inspiration a- from this. The time signature, the use, like the simple notes of it. Yeah. So Dr. No said that Halloween is in five, four tubular bells is in seven, eight, but they're, but they both share that same quality of having a loop, but the loop doesn't come. It doesn't feel natural where it restarts because of that strange time signature. And that there's like different accents that are, are not normally where they would be. There's sort of a childlike quality to it, but it's re- repetitive. So there actually is a lot of similarity there. And he said that, yeah, I think Carpenter was, Heavily influenced yeah. by this. And what well, the funny thing is, we've is, cracked the code. But poor Mike Oldfield, he's like, I grew up as a child with a lot of fears and phobias, and I didn't mean to write a scary song. Like, that's <laughs> basically almost a direct quote. And I felt so sorry, like, so bad for him when I read it. Like, just this, like, sweet, like, Did tender. Do you think music. that sounds cheerful? Well, I, yeah, I apparently, I guess. I, I don't know. But what's so cool about it is, is that I remember at the time, like, didn't it sound like, sort of future like it sounded like futuristic yes. a little bit didn't yeah. it um and it's actually used in there's a band called book of love which maybe one person listening has heard of and they have a song called um book of Lo- it's called um uh boys uh pretty boys and pretty girls which is actually one of the first songs that mentions like aids Pretty Boys and Pretty Girls but it also it has an intro with tubular bells and it actually I don't think it samples but it uses the like kind of like the echoing like mother make it stop like that Mm -hmm. they kind of use that and it's actually like a really cool song very 90s and like early techno but it's but it's pretty awesome um so but yeah like really affecting music cool thing is is that when it's first used in the movie like it's kind of in an unexpected moment it's when chris is just walking walking home street yeah Yeah. (laughs) And then you see some like nuns and you're like, yeah, nuns are just kind of creepy all the time, sort of <laughs> uh, like not in a bad way, but they're just a little unnerving, um, especially with that music going. And um, so, yeah, it's used really cool. Um, apparently, the one scene where you have Marin and you have that light shining through through Regan's window, oh, yeah. apparently that's based on a series of paintings. I, I haven't looked oh, at okay. them, but I, I, I wasn't aware of that. But I remember seeing as uh um, like an anthology or like a, a documentary one time where the lighting designer was like, Friedkin kept telling me what he wanted. And I was like, that doesn't, that's doesn't make any sense. Like what you're asking for, like makes no naturalistic sense. And he's like, I, have you read the script? Right. You know, like, so you understand what I'm yeah. saying. <laughs> we also have beds kind of hopping around. <laughs> Um, at, at very least, like just to gently, gradually take you into this. It's not a normal script, but, um, but eventually, yeah, they, uh, they got that, that great light effect going. And, um, I don't know, I guess at the end of the day, I found this, I found this movie just really, really watchable. And, um, I, yeah, so you you mentioned like the first times that we would have seen yeah. it. Yeah, that first time we just turned it off because we thought it was boring. Wow. And if I'm saying the first time that I watched it beginning to end, oh, I'm embarrassed to admit this. I'll be honest, it was 
probably within like the last 15 years. Oh, okay. Yeah. Like I didn't, as a young person, watch this beginning to end. Yeah. Just because I thought it was like, I'm like, what's the big fucking deal about the exorcist? <laughs> right. You know, it's a bunch of sand and, and old people. <laughs> um, but uh, so, yeah, I never gave it a shot. I think the first time I watched it all the way through was at our, our friend Fred's party in his basement. He had a Halloween party where I wore blackface. Uh, so awful, awful night. Um, the first time I listened to this movie was I was, I believe, eight years old. I was at a friend's birthday party. I believe I've brought this party up before because we first watched Silent Night, Deadly Night. And the dad came down right at the fucking scene and he was like, Turn this off. You guys aren't watching this. So we put an exorcist. Now, I only knowing, I, I don't know if like you grow up in a religious household, uh, especially in the early 80s, you know, where this movie's 10 years old, how much, you know, weight this movie holds. I had just heard scariest movie ever. So there was a part of me that was like, I'm not going to watch this. So I kind of like acted like I had fallen asleep. And was laying there with the cover kind of over my head, but it was what it was like. It was like when we talked about in um, "Speak No Evil," where she's in the shower and doesn't do anything until the guy leaves the bathroom. Like it was like that. I laid perfectly still. There was and there's one moment where there was like it was silent, and I'm like, "All right, this is where I'm gonna look." And it's the scene where Karis is dreaming. And his mom like comes up from the subway station and he's waving at her. And then there's like a flash of Pazuzu's face or whatever to the, the demonic face. And then she just like turns back and starts walking down. And I was like, I don't know what the fuck that was, but I am not watching this movie. And spent the rest of the movie with the with, uh, pretending to sleep. So like that is my first. And I was pretty impressed with how well that scene is burned into my brain because so often you will be like oh yeah i remember like oh that was traumatic for me as a kid and then you go back and watch it and be like it was nothing like that like th th nothing in that happened the way i thought no like watching this i'm like what like I it must have been traumatic for me because it plays out exactly and of course it's the one time like that face flashes up and that's the thing that was i was like well nope fuck it fuck it um, so yeah, that was the first time that I listened to this movie. Yeah, no, I, I'm glad that you mentioned that part. Cause that is a really freaky ass part. Cause really what's happening there is that she's coming up, going upwards, right. To, right. to heaven. Right. And then, and then he sees that you see that necklace dropping mm -hmm. and that protection dropping. And then she turns and goes back down like to hell yeah. to apparently suck cock. Um, from, from, from uh, where I'm only going yeah, with what we're, yeah, that's just, yeah, that's, that's a detail. They gave yeah, you. <laughs> that's what I was told. Um, so, uh, yeah, it is. I think that that's, I've never seen a movie achieve a sort of supernatural feeling without doing more like, like, like we're coming at you with the supernatural right. bit right here. Everything still plays like a normal, like it looks, it all looks like Rocky 
Like it, it all like looks like a grainy seventies movie. They never like amplify the like, Hey audience, look at this magical scene we're doing right until it's like full on possession. Right. Right. So when we see that it's a dream sequence, but we're like, is, is, is this hat? Is this a memory? Like, what is this? Like, he, he certainly doesn't spoon feed both of them, Friedkin and Blatty. Don't spoon feed too much. Um, but I think that that's kind of important because Chris doesn't know what the fuck's going on with her daughter. Yeah. Her daughter doesn't know what's going on. The priests are kind of questioning what's going on. Why should we know everything? That, that <laughs> right. kills it. That's just a fucking boner kill. Yeah. We all need to be in this together and sort it out. So um, at the end of the day, Watch another fucking movie from 1973 and tell me how watchable that is. Yeah. Um, I'm going to say this last thing about it. Yeah. Um, I thought this movie was phenomenal. And the ironic thing is, uh, and I, 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 I don't think this is through any of my own cynicism, but the exorcism scene is kind of, eh, whatever. Like, it's literally like they just say the Lord's prayer. Uh, and is it, you know, and, and I guess, I guess the idea is it's like, there's like this, um, fucking clip going around and I don't know what it's from. Um, but it's like all these kids like auditioning for a song, you know, and they're just like, uh, singing it very poorly. And then all of a sudden there's this angelic voice who fucking crushes it. So I'm like, is it like that where only, only. Uh, what's uh, Max von Sydow has the oomph to yeah. say the Lord's prayer yeah. in the right way <laughs> right. that will drive a demon crazy. <laughs> um, and then and then the resolution is yeah the demon jumps into Karis and he jumps out a window to kill himself. So the the resolution of this movie does not hit as as well for me. The Exorcist part I feel is the worst part. Okay, that's well. You know what is interesting about that is that I think that if there is a silver lining to that, that it just goes to show that most movies would phone in everything but the Exorcist part. Right. This movie puts just as much effort into that as it does. Well, more really, I guess, than the Exorcist part. Yeah. So I I like the Exorcist stuff. I do. Um, I've read through some, some exorcism rites and yeah, it's not like, I mean, it's really nothing more than just, you know, saying stuff, <laughs> you know, um, and you hope something sticks, but you um, does have real holy water. Right. So, um, so I, I make it holy water by keeping it in that cool glass vial. Well, I'll tell you what, what, uh, doesn't prevent it from being holy is, uh, it being in a wine jug that has an orange circle on it that says 99 cents that I used to see in the sacristy. <laughs> As I was getting my robe on, literally an orange sticker, 99 cents for a fucking jug of wine. Um, so, yeah, we were we were uh, cutting costs where we could. Yeah. Well, do you recommend this movie? I, I do. I'm I ready do. to wrap it up. Yeah, no, I, I do. I think I think that, you know, we we've it's everybody that talks about this movie is gonna talk about, you know, like all the obvious stuff. And I think what I really wanted to get at was that there is aside from the pea soup and the head turning and all that stuff, 
uh, and the cocksucking, all these things that there is like really good, a great movie in there, a great drama. Oh yeah. And, um, and I did like, uh, you know, I, I know you've gone through it, so I won't dwell on it, but yeah, the, that, that parent stuff is, is just aching. I mean, it's, it's gut wrenching yeah. to watch this kid go through this. So very, very affecting, very, very effective. And still, um, you know, I still like the possession stuff. I still think it's freaky. If nothing else, it's neat. Yes. You know, it's cool. Oh, yeah. Um, And so. um, Oh, yeah. I love all the possession stuff. Like right. The fucking. Your mother sucks cock in hell. Uh, the stabbing vagina. All of that shit. Yeah. And the that whole head turn. I'm like, I don't know. Yeah, that's kind works, of like. But, yeah, all right. I'm it's with a, you. It looks awesome. But I mean, here's the thing. For there to be such a thing as a horror movie. 50 years on that people don't watch and be like, this is stupid. Yeah. Like if you're, if you made something a half a century ago and it's still holding up as far as scares and just, just sort of guttural reaction and not doesn't look just fucking silly as fuck. Mm -hmm. That is a major accomplishment. Yeah. Huge. Have you ever seen repossessed? Oh, is that the funny one? The Leslie Nielsen Yeah, I have. Yeah. What is the one that, I remember two things from that movie, and none of them have to do with any exorcism stuff. There's one; it's kind of a seancey part, and there, uh, I don't remember what happens, but like a toy car like rolls off the mantle into the fish tank, and there's some <laughs> Chappaquiddick joke about it. <laughs> like maybe as the car, oh, that's under, great. You're like, it's hilarious. <laughs> The very beginning is a, you know, it's supposed to be this like Indiana Jones classroom where he's the professor and there, because in Indiana Jones, there's the the girl with, as she closes her eyes, it says, love you on, yeah. her, on her eyelids. And so she, this, there's this one girl, and of course, this is the scene I remember. She keeps like very hot, keeps like hiking up her skirt and he goes, young lady, pull down your dress. And she goes, okay. And just. Pulls the top down with yes. the huge boobs. And I was like, <laughs> I guess this movie's over. That happens in the first five minutes. Uh, not a good movie. <laughs> what is for what I remember, but I really wasn't familiar with The Exorcist at the time. I might watch it again just to see how <laughs> many should. jokes they nailed. You know, they might have got a good, a lot of good jokes. Look at those boobs. Um, and to see the boobs. Yeah. So what was the skit? It was either a skit somewhere or another like spoof movie. I, th- I want to say maybe it was. Um, James um, Woods, uh-huh. where like he goes into the priest, uh, it goes in as the priest, he goes into the room and then she does the head turn and he just goes, fuck this. <laughs> and like <laughs> turns around and goes out. It's a hilarious bit. Like immediately. That might be from Repossessed. It could be. It, <laughs> it might be. Because Linda Blair is in that. Yeah. Yeah. She and, you know, um, one one thing about Linda Blair uh Rick James said she had an absolutely mind-blowing body and that she loved to get high and get down just as much as he did. They dated. Um she he had heard he had heard her say that she thought that he was really sexy. So he basically like by proxy like a like a publicist like said to, you know tell her that I think the same thing about her oh. and then they started dating. It's like Taylor Swift and yeah. Jason Kelsey. Right, you know. That's Not how Jason Kelsey, Travis Kelsey. Yeah. That's how I love like happens. More. Yeah. That guy's my jam. Your people call my people. <laughs> we'll get high and get down. 
Uh, <laughs> so I'll bring my banging body. You bring your banging body. We'll bang <laughs> right. bodies. Yes. Um, and that's the story of the Exorcist. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. So um, so you recommend? You do recommend? Oh, I recommend. Oh, oh my God! Yes, absolutely. That's a dumb thing to say. Yes, I can't believe we've done it. We're out of movies. I know, I know. <laughs> no, I will. Yeah, now, yeah. We're like back to the old, the dark ages. <laughs> Exorcist Two is next. No. <laughs> yeah, no, never. That's I saw it on the queue, and I was like, "Do I?" No, no I didn't want to. No, uh-uh. I didn't want to. Yeah. All right. Cool. All right. Well, that was our big Halloween show. It was fun. We did it. Uh, we finally covered the exercise. Yes, it's about time. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, big uh, evil dice tonight is over. We're kind of floating in the wind. Halloween is over, but we've got some cool stuff planned. We do. Please join us next week for the big hit from nineteen. 19- what the fuck? Oh, sorry. That's weird. <laughs> okay. Um. Okay. Yeah. Um. Sorry. The lights kind of flickered here. Um. Yeah. Please join. All right, now uh, the lights are out. Okay, now are we, are we still are we rolling? Yeah. Uh, right. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Yeah, it is still recording. Just okay. Does uh, okay? Does Nan know her? Uh, yeah, Nan? she might have shut them out. Nan. Okay. Nan. Sh- All right. Turn no. The lights. All right. I'll get a. I'll get. No. 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 I'll get a light. What the fuck was that? Did you? Uh. What are you? Are you fucking with me? No, dude. No. Did, did you feel that fucking run under the table? Yes, I felt it. Was that you? No, it was. Is it Come on. Fucking cats down here. All right, listen. All right. Yeah, no. <laughs> I don't want to act like I'm scared. All right, no. I, I, I'm, I'm not kidding. All right, let me get. Let me. Let me get a light. Let me get. Uh, hold on. Hold yeah. on one second. Hold on. All right. Ow! What? Ow! What? My arm. What? Ow! What? Fuck my arm. I can't okay, move it. Hold, I can't hold, move hold, it. Hold on, hold on. Let, me get, let me get a light. Let me get a light. Okay, hold your hold fucking on. Phone on. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Ow, fuck. All right, all right, all right. No, it's fucking. Ow, it's. Oh, fuck. Fuck, it's bleeding. Jesus Christ. Okay, it, wait, no, no, it's insane. Jesus. Hold on. It's saying something. Fuck, why are you touching it? It's Right. Um, all right, it's, it says. What? It, no, it what? says. It says next. It says next what? All right, it says next week. Next week. The, uh, the, 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 it says next week the sixth sense. Wait, what the fuck? No, what? Dude, all right, no, no, say the, say the words. What? What? Uh, next week? No, say, say, say the, 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 the sixth sense. sense? No, yeah, but no, but do the thing that you do the, the next week on. Uh, Wait, we can't, we banned it. Or, no, but just fucking do it. Just do it, do what it says. Do what it says. Um, okay, ah. Uh, uh, next week, please join us from uh, 19... Uh, oh, uh, 80, yeah, 90, 99? 99? No, 90, 90, no, no, no. No, is it 99? It is 99. Okay, please. all right. All right. Fuck. Please join us next week. We cover M. Night Shyamalan's semi-debut. The movie we thought was Say dead it. and buried the sixth sense. Oh, wait. Okay, no, wait. No, we're fine. No. All right, we're okay. What, dude, how, okay. are you okay? How's it, it's fine. It's gone. It's gone. What the fuck? Holy shit, Tim. Dude. I guess some things never are dead. I guess not. That's God's plan. (laughs) You son of a bitch. (laughs) So what are we doing next week then? Next week! Guys, I see dead movies. You thought we would kill it off. But this is a horror movie podcast, and Boom. if you've ever learned anything, nothing's ever dead. Next week, it's the last movie off of 
evil dice tonight and the fucking series dice next week. <laughs> finally. As we finally cover M. Night Shyamalan's The Sixth Sense. I can't wait. I love that fucking movie. I I have only I'm seen so it. I'm out of breath from doing that old skit. My arm is like, I was tensing it up so. You were doing great. It's a method. It's a method acting there. Yeah. No, I. Uh, <laughs> I am I am uh, just I, I want to know everything about this movie. I literally saw The Sixth Sense one time. It was ruined for me immediately. Oh. And I want to go in I like I it was, you know, it was like the 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 dead opposite of Bruce Willis. I knew everything that was going on. Um like <laughs> From the beginning, sorry. Uh, from the beginning, well, don't give so, it away. There might be well, yeah, yeah. You, you never know. know. You never know. It's the sixth sense. Yeah. So we're not going to tempt any more fate here. Um, I cannot wait to see it. It's one of the most popular horror films of all time. It is. I remember being like, we were on vacation when that movie came out. I remember getting like, I was super into looking at the box office. I was like, what the fuck? That movie made like sixty million dollars over yeah. the weekend or something like that. Um, I always confuse it with, and I think it was like August, like that movie came out in August, (laughs) right? (laughs) So crazy. Um, people die all the time. They really do. They never stop. Yeah, dude, that was a fucking workout. We got to do the other side now. Um, Oh, all right. So yeah, join us next week. We're covering the Sixth Sense from 1999. Please check out our website, slumberpodcastmassacre.com. Shoot us an email, slumberpodcast.gmail.com. Check out all our amazingly updated uh, social media. Huge thanks to our patrons. You help make this show possible. We do it for you, and you do it for us, and we do it for each other. And someday, it's going to be worth it for you. Because <laughs> it's super <laughs> worth it for us. Um, yeah, and join us next week. As Evil Dice, finally, with the Sixth Sense. Tim, do you got anything else to say about and the Exorcist, Danny? Well, that's exactly what I was going to say. I just want to give them the happy ending that they deserve. So there she is. Demi, I'm in heaven. I made it. I hope everything is wonderful down there and you are having a great time. I'm sucking so many cocks in heaven, Danny. <laughs> yes. <Danny. It's- laughs> Cox. Okay. <laughs> yes. Bye. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs>